0: Boy, you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer, episode 109. On tonight's episode, the Monlings talk he-ba, more he-ba, about he-ba, the end times he-ba, and he-ba, what's he-ba, going he-ba, to happen with the elves. And then they bring on the paint legend Jim Wapple himself to talk about his rather unorthodox paint style. So shut it! I'm listening to me show!
1: Welcome to the Garage U-Tools. For the next three hours or thereabouts, we'll do the best we can to inform, entertain, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way. Bringing you limited edition cane and in-depth painting with Jim Wapple. I'm Chris Yu. And I'm Butch Coolidge. Butch Coolidge? You might oh, not... I know this one. <laughs> I think uh, you should. Is that the guy from um, <sighs> The Fifth Element? Uh, right actor, wrong movie. Oh, so it's Bruce <laughs> Willis. Yes, Butch <laughs> Coolidge. Uh.
0: I don't think they ever really say his last name in the movie, but it's Butch.
1: From um, I know this. From uh, what's that movie? I know it. Do you want hints? The Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes, right? it is. Yes, you're. Yes, yes. Nineteen ninety four. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue.
2: <laughs>
1: You're gonna have to edit this to <laughs> <laughs> cut down on the on the thinking time. <sighs> oh, this is this is torturous. It's
0: got other actors in it.
1: Yeah, John Travolta. Yes. I picture it. I yes. know it.
0: It's got Samuel L. Jackson.
1: Pulp fiction. There oh, you go. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Does it feel Pulp like fiction. to kill a man? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, Damn. I picked when I'm like, I, you know what? It's uh, I, I, I I I was watching something that had Pulp Fiction. Like, it flashed through it, and I was like, oh, that's a good one. And so I tried to pick a character, and I'm like, all right, Butch, that's a good one. And the, but the last name might throw him a little bit, but should be able to get it.
1: Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> ding, ding 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 ding. We have a winner. <laughs> Man, that was tough.
0: That was- <laughs> well, uh, you did a great job. You had it. You knew what it was. <laughs> thank you.
1: We've got to keep a running score here. There you go.
0: All right. So, hey, you know what? Um, after thanking me, you should probably also thank our sponsors.
1: Yes. Thank you, dear sponsors, uh, some of which include Unique Gifts and Games, located in... Grays Lake, Illinois. Mircea Miniatures.
0: Mersha Miniatures. And that's spelled how? M-I-E-R-C-E. Miniatures. Like Mears Miniatures.com. Just like Mears.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mantic Games. Building bigger armies. And finally, Battle Foam. Protecting your... Army. Very good. Yeah. Oh, So what's going on? Uh, A lot and a little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is this is the whole episode. I mean, seriously, everything but this Wapple interview is like a feast or famine type thing.
1: No kidding, man. Kane has come and gone.
0: Oh, no kidding. And yeah, we'll get into that into the uh, in the in the news and rumors section. But yeah. holy mackerel, Glotkin's almost uh, almost here with us for the for the review.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm guts deep reading that, and I got to say it's a really good read.
0: You know what? I'm enjoying it a lot. A lot of people said it wasn't as good as the first part, and a lot of people just aren't enjoying the, the way the writing style is going at all. I'm seeing some people who just, hmm. you know.
1: Really? I, I got. I think I enjoy this one more. I think the story overall is more compelling because before it was undead on undead, and that just wasn't as gripping.
0: Yeah, Like I said, you had the same sort of thing I had going with it, which it's mm-hmm. just it doesn't seem all that – Um. And here it's just like Nurgle against everybody, which once again you you are limited if you don't care for Nurgle or you don't care about the Empire. Well the thing is it's sort of limited it's, but
1: a, a lot of it is told from imperial point of view, which is human, so you can relate to that. And you know, they're being afflicted with all these diseases and being sick, yep. and anyone who's been sick, which is everybody, can certainly relate to that. So oh, it's yeah. more easily relatable for sure.
0: There's some really cool and gross things in that book too. And there's just some really nice little plot twists. Um mm-hmm. The stuff with Vlad I particularly like. He's such a great character, and they're really doing a lot with him.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, so that should be a very interesting discussion. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, and uh, Chris uh, Tomlin will be on for that one as well. Very nice. And he's he's already booked for Kane.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh geez. Did you see okay. that?
0: Someone on Twitter asked him about it. He's like, I'll be begging Dave and Chris every day if I could be doing that one because I love the elves. So I just send him a direct message. I'm like, begging? Really? You're already in. He's like,
1: all right. (laughs) Well, that's assuming that we can even get books.
0: Oh, jeez. Let's not talk about that right now, though. Um, Oh, you know what, dude? We got some really nice emails in the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to read them all out, but there's one in particular I want to mention uh, first of all, we got a couple of people who just sent us some cool stuff, okay? Uh, I want to mention um, Anthony McMahon, who is a listener uh, for this and After Olinor. Um, we're nice. going to have a copy of Dreadfleet. We're going to have a contest to give away a copy of Dreadfleet that he Excellent. sent to us. And on, uh, After Olinor, if you're a 40K listener, um, <laughs> dude, he sent us a copy
1: of Space Hulk to give away, too. Anthony, my man. Yeah, I know. I was like, dude, <laughs> that's really generous. Thank that's, you, Anthony. Yeah,
0: it's crazy. Uh, but we got an email from a gentleman named uh, Josh Bobbitt, and um, he said he was—he's being slowly dragged into the fantasy scene from Forty K. Okay, but uh, okay, he's interested in Warriors, except another friend in his game club runs them, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't want to duplicate. You know. Uh, the other pl- people play wood elves and vampires, and so he doesn't want to play those either. So he's looking at it. He's like, he really wants to play Skaven, but he doesn't want to do a horde. I mean, he used to doing 40K. They don't, you know, <laughs> right. you could you could have a unit of Skaven slaves that you're in the same number as your entire army in sure. 40K. Um, plus the amount, not just the painting, but the cost. He's on a, he's on a bit of a tight budget. Hmm. So now he's looking into ogres. But he's worried because he played an elite army in 40k, and that can really burn you, especially in your learning curve. So he's Hmm. not certain what to do, and so I'm emailing him back and forth. Um, And basically, he just after my first email, he's like, "Oh yeah, that's even you know." I think he was even even less enthused. He's like, "Ugh, you know."
2: Um, Hmm. So
1: ogres is an interesting choice. I wouldn't call it elite. It's it's. A smaller model count, but it makes up for it in wounds per model. Right. So that's something, and it is a an aggressive kind of push it forward type army. So that's something. Sure. I mean, I you
0: know what I, I you know, I know I've had my problem with ogres because I always uh, my VC always have trouble with them, mm. but they're just they're a really cool army. I mean, they I know yeah,
1: they are cool. They're different.
0: I mean, when I before I sold mine, you know, I, I played them for just a couple of games, but. Yeah, I loved pushing those big guys forward and, and fighting with them. They're, they're just, they're fun. I like the theme of them. Um, but so, I basically said, I go, you know what? If you really are looking to get in on the cheap, you can find Island of Blood High Elf sets you know, for online, on eBay and stuff. People are selling them for like, you know, 35, 40 bucks.
1: Uh, yeah, they are, but that's that's a that is a very elite army, which I know he had trepidations about.
0: It is elite, but you know, they've got always strikes first. They're not bad. And, you know, f- for the price, you know, you can get a couple of sets and you're playing with your friends. And I, you know, so I told him, at least look mm. into it. And he's, and he's also, he wants to make sure he's picking models that he likes the aesthetic
1: for because he was going to be painting right. them.
0: So he went online and looked at him. He's like, I think I'm going to give those, I might give those a try. So I was like, oh,
1: oh right. so you talked him into it. Okay. I, t- I
0: talked him into trying <clears> Miles. I,
1: Don't know what I was thinking, but. (laughs) Interesting. Well, his meta is Warriors, Vampires, and wood elves.
0: Yeah. And there might be other guys playing, but those are the ones he mentioned, you know, because I'm like, you know, High Elves could do pretty well. And I said, you know, you get a start, you get a couple of Phoenixes with that, and it's not too bad of a.
1: Right. Yeah. I'll be interested to hear then how his list progresses against those his yeah. opponents.
0: And I mean hope I mean you know he, he's obviously got a gaming group there of guys who already play so hopefully mm-hmm. there are guys who could give him better advice than I can. I'm not Sure in, well the best way to learn
1: is just you know trial by fire.
0: Yeah. So
1: and and plus, dip into the Flames of the Phoenix and see what happens.
0: And with the new book coming out who knows He might be able to just pick and choose whatever looks cool and
1: Yeah, you get to pick and choose from all elves. Yeah. So mm. I thought that was
0: pretty cool. But That's uh, cool. Yeah, like I said, it was nice to get, you know, an email from a guy who's, and I just was just like, oh, this is my, you know, that was my best advice. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't bad
1: advice, you know. Well, let's, so, uh, I'll be curious to see.
0: I just thought you'd be uh, interested in the fact that I was uh, giving advice to someone to uh, start so a high elves. the ranks of yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Nice. What was I thinking about? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, so that was, you know, we got those for emails. Um. And we do have some voicemails. Oh, cool. Yeah, we have voicemail now in case if you don't pay attention or this is the first time you're listening to the show, <laughs> we have voicemail and our voicemail number is one seven five seven G H show six. That's one. Seven five seven G H show six. Also, if you're international, that's zero zero one for most countries. Seven five seven G H Show Six. All right. So we got uh two emails or two voicemails. One mm-hmm. is uh a uh, pretty quick one. Mm-hmm. And one is a little bit longer. Uh, dude, something is going on with the two Jake's here. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, Jake appar- versus
1: Jake, you know a- what that means. Well,
0: apparently the other Jake heard about the Jake off, and so he fancies himself uh, to be a bit punny and a bit of a jokester, I think. So, wait till mm-hmm. you hear this second email. But here, I will uh,
1: let Chew me. it up and uh, let's get Jake.
0: Yeah, let me play you the first one here, which is not Jake.
2: Yeah, Garage Hammer, this is Chad in uh, Minnesota. Thanks to you guys, I've started playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles for the first time, and I played two games like ten years ago. Otherwise, it's been like 20. Uh, picked up an ogre army on the cheap. Been having lots of fun with that. Looking forward to more Nagash stuff. Thanks for everything you do. Love the show. Bye.
1: So
0: a quick one from Chad from Minnesota.
1: Excellent. I wonder how he came across our podcast.
0: Uh, Yeah, Chad, let us know. You can email us or send us another voicemail. How'd you find the podcast? Well, we're glad you're playing. First time after 20 years, getting more people back into the hobby. Garage Hammer, building communities. (laughs) That's our little PSA. The more you know. All right. So, okay. Now here's Jake's call. All right. Okay.
2: Hi Chris and Dave, this is Jacob from California. I was hanging out with my buddy Austin Morgan from Southern California a week ago and he shouted me and you two out on Twitter for this Jake-off and I just wanted to come back to this topic a little bit. So I just want to point out that I was having a fun, friendly conversation with my two favorite co-hosts of Garage Hammer, not that I don't like the British guy but he's a part-time, anyway, anyway. And I was just a little offended that this guy tried to come in and and get in on on my airtime. And, and he started, you know, making this into a Jake-off. And I was really enjoying having more people in this environment, really more like a circle Jake than an actual Jake-off. Uh, and then I, I started to realize that I should, you know, shout out to, to Jake. So, Jake from St. Louis, I would like to challenge you to a grudge match at the next tournament we're both at. I'm going to be at Jake City Rumble. I mean Quake City Rumble in July in San Francisco. I'll probably be at Pulse in no wait for it Carnival of Chaos Pulse in New Orleans. I believe in May, and I'll probably be at the West Coast GT in Los Angeles also. I would love to Jake you on in a Jake-off for real. Now, I consider myself a Jake of all trades, and I like to do a lot of things. I like to cook, do some some Jake and Bake. I like to hang out on my Jake front property over in in Jake Tahoe, uh, listen to some bare-jaked ladies, or watch my favorite um, Antonio Banderas film, Jake the League. But you, sir, have... You know, you've done the thing you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to jake a sleeping giant, and you have. You've joked me up, and now it's time for us to go. So let me know when you're going to be at one of these tournaments, and I will grudge you round one. And you know what? I will take this a step further. I'm going to take on the Curse of the Clements, which is where you let the TO roll your, win- your lore of magic randomly without you getting to pick before the tournament starts. And that, sir, is a challenge. Thanks for to me, Chris and Dave. Um, this is your friendly neighborhood, Jake, uh, who is also quite possibly an international treasure and world-renowned man of mystery. Uh, don't fail your toughness, test if it's a nervous spell.
1: Okay. Oh, for goodness, Jake. Uh, really? You would not encourage <laughs> Wait, this? Only... <laughs> I, I, how could I not?
0: <laughs> okay.
1: If that's Just trying how you're going to have a little be. Pun
0: with it yeah, I could tell.
1: Mm-hmm. So, wow, this has really turned into something, um, yeah, big and grotesque.
0: I did not expect this. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition, but uh, <laughs>
1: true. So, well, Jake from St. Louis, uh, the gauntlet has been thrown. Will you respond, and how so?
0: Yeah. So, uh, boy, I don't even.
1: Uh, I don't even know what to say. I, I I don't either. I'm trying to think of more Jake puns, but I think he took them all. I'm glad that there are
0: no more. I'm I'm just <laughs> – seriously, this punning stuff, it's – you know, I haven't had to put up with it Jake that much property. since Christopher went – Yeah. <laughs> with He cooks with Jake and bake at Jake Tahoe. It's, come on. <laughs> Dear Lord. All right. Well, that's voicemail. Well, what
1: happens if the two Jakes meet and they play – does I The galaxy think they, explode? Do we go back in time? What happened? I don't think they
0: can meet. I think the two Jakes in the same same place will could yeah cause a cause a tear in the in the fabric of reality, time
1: space continuum.
0: So yeah,
1: mm. interesting. Well, I, I, hey, Garage Hammer might have to put out a certain I don't know a prize, maybe some dice for if they ever do meet and there is a winner. Yeah, the real Jake would have to you know earn something.
0: Oh, speaking of dice, um. They came in. The new dice, nice. The blue garage hammer dice. So they're in. Uh, they are available for order if anyone wants. They can email me, David at garagehammer dot net. They're like a buck a piece plus shipping, and shipping's pretty cheap.
1: did uh, these uh, still roll hot on the sixes?
0: You know, I, I rolled them a little bit. They don't roll that hot for me. <laughs> so, but I mean, I you know, hey, what do I know? I mean, they might, you know. Who's well, you're,
1: you're you're a VC player, so what do you I, know about exactly? Rolling?
0: Uh, I, I will know. say this, you know the old one with the red with that bit you know with, with yep. that the but that has that bit of gold in the red, mm-hmm. this blue doesn't have that gold in it, so the pips stand out a lot bolder, and the image shows up bolder. I think I like these blue ones a little better, actually,
1: you love starnet Pips, don't you?
0: Oh, yes, I do. The more pips the
1: better. <laughs> Nice. Well, that's good. I'm looking forward to seeing those.
0: Yeah, and I should hopefully get those. The people who pre-ordered them, uh, if they're not shipped out the day this releases, they'll get shipped out this weekend. So I'm gonna try to get them shipped out before Thanksgiving. But if not, it'll just be the weekend after Thanksgiving. I'll get everything. Start a new first. era. Yeah, dude. I mean, seriously, we we ordered a thousand and like I think what like seven hundred of them were pre-ordered already.
1: So oh wow.
0: Yeah, they're they're almost gone.
1: So they, they, they go faster than end times books. <laughs> no, maybe not.
0: It took me a couple of weeks to sell out or to sell through the, at least enough to get the pre-orders in. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, five, whatever. Listen, let's, mm-hmm. let's take a break. Come back and we'll do the news and rumors, and we'll talk all about uh, GW's lack of
1: product. <laughs> sounds good. He's David. I'm Chris. We'll be right back in the garage Chamber.
0: Folks, Chaos Org Superstore, your one stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get.
1: We're back. Back to the garage. Look back. You and know, I notice when we sing
2: me awesome.
0: Keep me warm down the sun, what you really need. And it's me you need to shout. How deep is your love? Sorry. Oh man, you're That's going <laughs> way back. <laughs> I'm, I'm screeching out some really
1: bad bee gees there. <laughs> oh, How do you like that noise? Uh, noise is right how deep is your love Right, how How deep
0: is your love
1: oh man
0: heard that flipping channels on the radio today and it's stuck in my damn head
1: (laughs) you know I noticed when we acapella the audio gets really weird and it kind of flips back and forth between you and I so I know the audience will probably be disappointed but we probably have to limit our acapella what do you mean when when you listen to it, it it doesn't come across right
0: Oh, I never noticed when I was editing it. It
1: sounds funny. But maybe maybe it's just me. I don't know.
0: Anyway. <laughs> maybe my acapella is just breaking your eardrums. It <laughs> could be. Every time you start to sing, Dave, my ears just start shutting down
1: on me. Well, that Bee Gees rendition certainly did. My ears are bleeding right now.
0: Oh, everybody else is there, too. I'm sure I'm getting hate mail right now. Hmm. That's- so,
1: News and Rumors. Yeah. Brought to you by? The Circle City Circuit. So, what is new?
0: Well, Kane was new uh, for five minutes, dude. Come on. <laughs>
1: yeah, Kane has gone and went.
0: I I had my bit of a Twitter rant. I, I called for someone I, to be I fired. Saw. I
1: was mad. Seriously, dude.
0: When I get the email that says go and order it, and I go online, it's already sold out. That pisses me off.
1: Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. It's, it's it's like we never had a chance.
0: Oh, seriously. I mean, it was like it was sold out in minutes.
1: I mean, on the one hand, it's good to see that there's that much interest and demand for the product. Right. So it's good for the game.
0: And I get you don't want product just sitting around, but still.
1: Well, let's let the dust settle. I think, you know, once they're out there and in circulation, maybe they'll be easier to come across through your local gaming store. Who knows? You know, the one thing that is a little upsetting, though, is the lack of new models. I find that very disturbing.
0: Uh, and i know and like i said and i know you're an elf player and i am not trying to downplay this at all and i'm not trying to be like eh you know and i get when there's a new release you want some new but what what exactly did did you want i mean
1: it could be anything like a couple characters ideally i keep on harping on this but monstrous calf, dragon riders dragon riding princes would be amazing barring that a couple characters maybe um, you know, a new a, a single character, a new eagle, you know, whatever. A, any single new model would be good, just I to breathe some you know fresh air into things.
0: I see what you're saying. I guess I'm just sitting there going, dude, you just, We just got a whole new release within the last year for like all three, all three things. I, I was, I'm thinking, man, if you're gonna put Malakith on his dragon on the cover of White Dwarf, you may want to have a new one because.
1: Yeah, that that old model uh, did that not getting, age well.
0: That one's getting a little tired. I mean, seriously, that dragon looks like Trogdor.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that fifty mil base and that like this this, this S letter S. Yeah, the snake, shape. the snake yeah. dragon. That's definitely with like really muscly arm
0: coming out of the back of the neck like that. Yeah. you know. So, (laughs) just angry eyebrows. It's just like, oh, forget about it.
1: Yeah. More of the cartoony type feel. If you compare that to the stuff that they're putting out now, it's a world of difference. You know, you can't compare it. Oh, no. Well, otherwise, news and rumors, uh, aside from Kane having come and gone and no (laughs) apparent new models, I think that's about it. Yeah.
0: I will say this. I'm excited. Like, I know there are people who are... Off to the highest of festivity, mm-hmm. you know. People who are just tournament only players are like, "Holy crap! They've just well, it's rocking the a
1: tournament boat, big time."
0: Okay, and and I get that, but I also look at this and say, "All you got to do is say, Hey, no cane rules. We're not doing that.' Right? You know, I mean, people have already said either I mean, either
1: run with the rules or you you or you do Yeah,
0: I mean, you can have undead legions and." Uh, you know, legions. I mean, we've already seen tournaments coming up. We have, um, you know, undead legions and legions of chaos with no chaos ascendant rules. Right. You know, um, you know, fifty percent lords and heroes, whatever. Um,
1: or at tournaments are allowing them like AdaptCon, but they're scaling back the size of it. That's now a two thousand point tournament.
0: Yeah. So I mean. It, you can run your tournament however you want. I, I I really don't fear for the tournament scene because I think if something is that wildly nutty that it's going to be super fun in your basement, but it's going to swing, you know, it's going to take the the skill out of the game and turn it into a game of who, you know, who can roll the most sixes, right? Then they're just going to say no, we're not going to do it, you know? And if there's a
1: yeah. you know, well, I think that's the that's where the trepidation comes in. It's going to change the scene. It's going to change the fabric of who shows up to tournaments. That that's the uncertainty that people are, I guess, not looking forward to.
0: And I'm not trying to poo-poo it or 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 naysay it, but I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, just roll with it. Yeah, I mean, dude, yeah. relax. It's going to come out. We're going to see what's going to happen. And the fact is, if if. If the tournament if the TOs and their if the TOs say, Hey, I'm gonna run with all these rules and then everyone's like, Well, I'm not showing up, then the TOs are gonna say, Okay, well then we're not gonna run with these rules because nobody wants to run a tournament, nobody comes to. Right. You know? And by the same token, if all the tournaments are running all this stuff and you don't like it, then organize a tournament. Sure. Yeah. You know, I so mean it- we've said that to plenty of our friends. Oh, I'm worried about this, that, or the other with this. All right, well, dude, you know, no one's stopping you from Organizing and running a tournament, yeah, I mean, well, it takes work, but, but,
1: but you have to be careful though, because there are, you know, there are already so many tournaments out there, with more popping up all the time. I mean, I guess it's good to be spoiled for choice, yeah. Then if you have too many choices, that could lower average attendance per tournament. I'm just speaking from like the bits to side of things. Uh,
2: true.
0: I'm just thinking, you know, hey, the more tournaments, the better. Uh, you know, there's yeah. there's lots of people. I mean, look, I mean, there's tournaments that are filling up and they're full. You know, I mean, you could literally have another tournament the weekend of Waupaca and possibly fill it up just off of the damn Waupaca waiting list.
1: Well, I I, I like to see how tournaments are dealing with these things. Yeah. But I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying. No, no, no. But
0: we have so many players, at least here in the Midwest. We have so many players. You could have tournaments every other flipping weekend. Right.
1: Well, I want to see what's merry mayhem, which is tomorrow. Actually, I want to see, you know, how this all plays out. Do people, do they react well to it? Do they include these end times rules? I don't know if What's people's experience? I don't think
0: he did because he said it was coming on too close to, uh, like people had already submitted their lists and stuff. So I know they're still doing 25%.
1: Oh, are they really? Yeah, Yeah.
0: because people had already submitted their list when the FAQ came out. And he's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that you guys can
1: when other people are already. Because usually that's kind of a WAPACA primer. So that's interesting that he didn't mirror it. Yeah,
0: well, what, what are you going to do?
1: What Packers doing? Hmm. What are you going to do? Yep, just roll with it, as you say.
0: Like I said, I'm excited to see where things happen, but I'm a I'm a basement gamer, so
1: you know, right? For
0: me, it's just fun. The only thing that's disappointed me so far is our campaign, I'm, I was all ready to start it and I sent out the emails uh-huh. and then all this stuff came out and like nobody, like half the players, uh, including a certain person on the show with me, never uh-huh. responded with their stuff. And now that all the rules have changed, I think my campaign is dead.
1: I wouldn't say that it's dead. I think it's it. it you'll have to raise it again and it'll be undead because <laughs> because with all these rules changes, it, it's, it creates all this uncertainty in terms of What's going to happen? What am I playing now? What, you, know, you know what I exactly. mean?
0: Exactly. But uh, so I mean, honestly, I would, we had, I would hold we had off eight and players, and only, including myself, and including myself, only four of us ever responded with the stuff I needed to get started. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe everybody just wants to kind of see what's what going the on with sell. this. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, but for, I mean, for, now, for now, it's dead, you know, until I can, uh, until we can see where the rules go and what's going on. I got, I got nothing.
1: Right. Well, yeah, you'll have to summon it later.
0: I hope so, because I was all excited.
3: Yeah, I mean, I know it, I know it took me
0: forever to get it rolling, but, I mean, it was kind of hard to find a... come up with a set of rules for something I wanted to try that everybody else wanted to play, so...
1: Right, right. Oh, well. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll certainly, you know, give it another shot. Uh, yeah, with me, with all the, there's massive amounts of uncertainty in terms of where my armies are heading and where the game is heading. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly fun. It's interesting times. Absolutely.
0: So, listen, uh, you know what? You want to skip the break and jump right into the toolbox? Uh, Sure. All right. Let's do that, then, because we're <laughs> done with that. So, toolbox is brought to us by Chaos,
1: Chaos Org Superstar. Superstar. Chaos Chaos
0: Superstar. Superstar. Chaos Superstar. Chaos Org Superstar. Chaos Superstar. Was that too acapella-y? is that going to overlap-y?
1: I don't know. We'll, let's <laughs> can only judge once we hear it. <laughs>
0: How deep is
2: your love?
1: Sorry. Oh, man.
0: I'm just going to keep doing that now. Luckily no, the please, Waffle please interview do. is already recorded, so I can't be doing that throughout the interview. So, okay. It's just now and at the end of the show. I'll be sure to throw another one in later.
1: So every time you do that, I start thinking, "How deep
0: is my pain?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, let's talk some toolbox.
0: Uh, okay, toolbox. Wow, this is going to be short. You've been reading anything? No. Only Glotkin. Only Glotkin. Uh, me too. I'm just about done with Glotkin. I got my notes done for my chapters.
1: Okay. I'm uh, just about uh, maybe halfway through chapter four.
0: Okay. So you got chapter two, your notes done, and you're working mm-hmm. on chapters. So we'll be done in time. Yep. And that'll be next episode, folks. Us and uh, Tomlin. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. I really, like I said, I'm really enjoying this book. I really yeah,
1: am. Yeah, me too. Me too. It is, it is a well written book. And the character descriptions, I don't know if you read any other book. You know whether where they have the stats, of, yeah. Uh, all the it, those character descriptions are also a good read.
0: Yeah, they're pretty cool stuff in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so I was I'm really enjoying that. Other than that, I'm still you know working on my after Eleanor stuff, and uh, okay. I need I need to get that Gotrek and Felix, the two part you know end times thing. The this the final it's the death of Gotrek Gurnisson is happening finally.
1: Oh. He's finally
0: okay. meeting his doom. It's coming.
1: It's about and, time.
0: <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but uh as much as nobody wants, you know, one of their favorite characters to go.
1: Any theories on how he might bite the bullet?
0: Well, it looks like the second the cover of the second book. It looks like Bellicor is in the background. Mm, so he made he may die vanquishing Bellicor, which would be
1: That would be epic.
0: Yeah, that would be a worthy a worthy death for a slayer. Hmm. So, I, like I said, I don't know for certain. I just know I, I really enjoyed the series, and uh, I'm hoping these last two books will. How many books in that series? Uh, there's been like twelve, or I think thirteen, plus a bunch of short stories, and now there's gonna be two more. So,
1: oh wow, it's quite a big s- series then.
0: I mean, I think the only thing that's got a longer series than Gotrek and Felix was um, the Horus Heresy. <clears throat> so yeah, it's it's pretty epic, so
1: nice. That's
0: it for the reading then.
1: What about uh hobby? Oh
0: dude, since last show?
1: Nothing. Nothing? Not a nothing. Uh for my parts I've been working on my demons. I sent you a picture earlier. Yes. And it's starting to come together. I'm my I'm I'm racing to get it playable on the table forget about painting and all the rest of it. I'll come back to that, but I want to start playing this army as soon as I can. Right. So I I picked up um what is that? Uh, a hordes gargantuan uh, archangel. It's like a big dragon.
0: Uh, that's for is that that's uh Everblight?
1: Everblight, correct.
0: Okay. So yeah, I'll that's be
1: I'll be using that as my um, soul grinder. It, even though it has wings and looks like a big dragon, I just like like the model so much. I think it's, good, it's a good size for a soul grinder.
0: And the thing is, as long as it's got the right size base, I mean, a soul grinder doesn't have to be a big, <laughs> big, big insectoid robot. It's got to be something right, big right. and nasty that
1: can grind your soul. Something demonic.
0: Yeah, and a That's giant, ugly, blind-looking
1: dragon. Yes. That works. Yeah. So I'm really excited. I haven't been this excited about painting a model for a while. I'm not cool. a big fan of Privateer Press but this model I think they really did a good job with.
0: They've got a few things that are really great. Like I'm not the biggest fan of their infantry like mm. the human especially those everblight and the, their their elves and their weird half dragon people. They're all real chunky. They're like mm-hmm. old GW type chunky.
1: Right with the super big fists. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I'm just. I'm not a fan, and I'm not a fan of the Jacks. I like the trolls a little bit, but some of their their monster creatures, like their non non human, non robot creatures, they're they're pretty
1: cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool. So, looking forward to seeing how this army comes together. It's tough though, because with all this end time stuff. Yeah, I want to work on my uh, demon army, but then with this new elf book, what does that mean? You know what I mean?
0: I'm not starting any other armies until all of these damn books come out and I know what's what. I've got all this VC stuff sitting here. Right. And all this Tomb King stuff that I got from Christopher sitting here. I mean I was looking at that second terror guy saying, I could I mean, build this second terror
1: guy. Yeah, you but know? you're in a good place because you have that you have a VC army, you have the Tomb King stuff that you need. You could start playing that end times list right away
0: yeah but then i gotta build all that it's like you know what i've got some vc stuff i've never painted i still want to work on my dwarfs you know my plan was to finish up the dwarfs and go on to demons and now i've got this stuff i want to see i want to see everything that comes out before i make any real decisions on what else i'm gonna do Mm. yes i'm in a good place because i have this tomb king stuff so if i decide just to go undead legions I'm pretty set. I did order a right. casket of souls. There've been some really cool conversions, and I thought about converting one. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I like the old casket of souls. I don't give a crap. I'm just going to order one.
1: Okay, yeah, it's not it's not bad. I've seen a lot of people take that though, and and convert it though, and and take it up to the next level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can add some stuff to that, but I like that model. Mm-hmm. Like, I could add like. In fact, I was thinking of getting the like the spirits from the mortise engine. People have taken that and adding mm-hmm. it to it. Yep, yep. That kind of stuff is cool. Um, but just making my own from scratch. I'm not I, I like the one that they've got, the cool little Ark of the Covenant. I think it's pretty neat. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Have you seen the, uh, I've seen the picture floating around Twitter the the converted Nagash
1: who's sitting on like a big throne?
0: I totally want to do
1: that. That is amazing.
0: I'm looking at my Nagash model going. You'd only have to bend the legs basically to get him into a sitting position and then Mhm i'm I'm seriously considering because I have all the other bits,
1: but I mean, from a gameplay point of view, I guess you just mount them on the same base, yeah, just have them sit, yeah,
0: you put them on that throne. I mean that's uh, that's one of those arcane fulcrums,
1: yeah, I mean it it would look cool, but gameplay wise, it would look just a bit odd because no model is sitting. You can't roll up with Grimgore and have him sitting on a chair
0: you know what I mean uh, I guess but I, I
1: mean it would look cool you could do it I'm not stopping you just for me that's that's my kind of misgiving on that
0: I would just think if the gosh wants to he can move that whole giant rock mountains thing he's sitting on with him
1: it's just like yeah you could actually if you had him sitting on a chair that was like somehow floating that could be kind of cool
0: put a couple of spirits under that just have that whole damn yeah. thing floating I mean yeah. or even the little sides from the from the mortise engine thing. Those spirit host things are right. somehow carrying that along.
1: You know? That could be kind of cool.
0: I don't know. I just – I looked and I said, wow, that is actually so much cooler than just him standing up there and floating. He just looks so
1: – Yeah, it's menacing.
0: Yeah. It's really – I really like it. So
1: I don't know. Well, you should do it anyway. There's nothing – you can make it a piece of terrain. <laughs> yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, you should start painting your terrain. I uh, keep on painting it, I should say.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry to have no progress to report, but you've got a whole damn army built practically. I don't know. Anyway. So I got no hobby, but I got a lot of stuff I'm looking at, so okay. I guess we should move along. You got any other?
1: Um, uh, No other of, of note. Oh, I did see Interstellar with Matthew McConaughey.
0: Did you like it?
1: If you like 2001, then this is in the same vein.
0: I've, okay, Harrison and I went with Heather. Yeah. And Harrison and I loved it. Like I don't know that it's his best movie, mm-hmm. but boy, I really enjoy. I also loved two thousand and one.
1: Yeah, well, we'll have to discuss it off air because yeah. I think we want to discuss it in detail. Yeah, but no, I can't say. I thought it was really
0: cool. So any other? Any other? Uh, other? No,
1: that's that's about it. Yeah,
0: like I said, I've been doing. I've been my other. I've been doing the Fit Hammer for a couple of weeks now, uh-huh. working out, feeling good, losing weight, actually been very happy thanks to woody and thanks to aiden from um, dimensional cascade you know up on the up in the yeah, yeah. the northwest uh, united mm-hmm. states there um he sent me this book and stuff from um this guy uh, this stuff for, for people trying desperately to lose weight and it's been working for me really well uh, the only problem is now i'm like i said i'm and falling asleep like three hours earlier than I normally do because I'm
1: exhausted. It's, well, that's that's good. I mean, it means your body's working.
0: I guess. Except I'm losing my hobby time, man. And with Thanksgiving coming next week and all the stuff that that entails, oh, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be lucky to get it any hobby before we review Glotkin.
1: You'll get something. You got to make know. it happen.
0: I'm going to make it happen, Captain. That's what I'm going to do. There you go. All right. So I guess that's it for the other, huh? Yep. All right. Well. That's that. Why don't we uh, take a break, and uh, when we come back, I guess I will be talking to Jim Waffle.
1: Ooh, and I will be sitting and listening while I'm hobbying to that great interview.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't know how great <laughs> of an I'll tell you what, He's. Uh, we. this is already recorded if you haven't figured it out, folks, and Chris couldn't. Uh, there was a scheduling issue.
1: Yeah, scheduling issue. Um,
0: And I really wish you were there because you're a better interviewer than I am. But the lucky thing is, once you start Jim talking, dude, he's... He's got a lot to say, and he's interesting, man. Well, if, like,
1: if anyone has ever seen him and talked to him at Detcon, he—it's not like he hides his secrets or anything. He's more than happy to tell all of his techniques. You know, uh, he's like he's teaching a class, but he's not.
0: No, yeah, no. It was really, it was really fun talking to him about mm-hmm. both about his Kickstarter and all the stuff he had to do for that, and making those videos. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. That poor guy was torturing himself making those videos. Uh, oh, you got it's, it's fantastic. It's a labor of love. To. Oh, it really was. Um, but we're going to come back with that, and then when that's done, uh, Chris and I'll come back and wrap up the show. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh I am here. I am here without Chris at the moment. He had a family uh, deal, but I am here with the one and only James Waffle. James, thank you so much for coming on the show.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, and hello everybody in miniature painting land.
0: <laughs> so for for people who don't know you, James, can you just uh give them a, a brief uh, a brief introduction to yourself? I know you're a gamer and a painter, and I think They've gathered that by now, but what else? Uh, what, what's uh, what's your history in, in the gaming and, and model painting community?
3: Well, I, I guess I've been kind of known lately as either the Bob Ross of miniature painting or the subversive miniature painter <laughs> because it it seems like all my techniques and even my philosophy tends to fly in the face of everything that people have been taught for years. They just say, Jim, you, you kind of took the rule book and you set it on fire and then you took a whiz on it and that – it seems like that's what I do with all the standard convention. I, um, I can't disagree. I start out actually as a two D artist. You want to do regular paintings?
0: Now you're a, now you are a you're a watercolor man, aren't you?
3: Mostly watercolors, but also pastels and oils. Which oh. all that stuff does actually leak its way into the miniature painting.
0: Yeah, I, I can I see now. Uh, I can see when I saw some of your videos. You could just you could see the watercolor. I took a few art classes in high school and we covered watercolors. I'm looking at your palettes and stuff like that going, oh my god, you can see the watercolor influence
3: uh, right the there. disaster you mean that those palettes look like <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: it's you make you make it it's it's amazing how easy you make it look on those videos but now before we get on the how long how long have you been painting miniatures and and been in the hobby?
3: The miniature painting started around about the summer of two thousand one. At the time, we were doing the Blood Bowl thing. We had a little league going, about six coaches, and my wife, she says, "Yeah, you know, Jim, you've got these, these unpainted figures here. They were Blood Bowl figures, mostly lizard men. And she says, hey, I'm not doing anything with them. Mind if I screw around? I used to paint some miniatures back in the day. And I saw her painting them. She just used her regular acrylic paints, and she looked like she was having so much fun. I said, hey, I'm going I'm to try me some of that. Next thing you know, we're painting miniatures for the other players in the league. And we thought, well, you know, maybe this is a nice little side income thing when we're not doing regular art shows. And then in later in 2001, especially 2002, the whole 2D art inju- industry just fell apart, collapsed. Uh, it was mostly because of nine eleven 11 and the dot-com bust. Oh, okay. So we, had, we had to find another source of income real fast. And we thought, well eBay's coming around, PayPal, things that never existed before. I said, well, let's see if we can make a go with this.
0: All right. Wow, that's good. Yeah, that's, so you you came into this after the events of 9-11. I, I have a cousin who's a graphic artist, and I remember he, the same thing happened to him. In fact, he worked in New York at the time. He wound up moving to the U.K. He found a, a, a graphic arts gig out there, but, uh, yeah, that's really weird. That, such a weird way to get into the.
3: <laughs> well, our biggest art show of the year was Celtic Fest downtown Chicago, about twenty percent of our income, which was going to be held the weekend of nine eleven. Oh wow! Obviously, didn't happen because of security, and nobody could fly in. So right. There was none of that, and a lot of other shows also got canceled because no one wanted to travel.
0: Right. Wow.
3: I never. No thought- one would go anywhere.
0: That's so. I mean, that, that's so weird. It's like I, I. I mean, I know how it affected the economy. I mean, I remember all of that stuff from that day, but I it just that seems like, yeah, the the hobby shows. I just, I guess I never connected the two. You know, that's, it was
3: one of the reasons why we started doing eBay because we said, okay, Chicago shut down, but not the whole world, right? And once we did eBay, actually, most of the stuff that people were buying was from overseas partially because of currency and that kind of stuff, but it, it gave us a extra layer of protection that doing live shows didn't do to the point, I think it was early 2002, we experimented. We said, all right, this weekend, we're going to do one of our live shows, and we're also going to do an eBay, kind of an eBay auction series. We made more on the eBay auction series of just putting up some photos than Dragon art somewhere, hotel bills, gas bills, food bills, commission fees, we made we basically broke even on the art show and made money on the ebay thing we said well yeah maybe this is what we got to do
0: wow well that's so cool like i had no idea it was going to go the conversation was going to go this way that's kind of fascinating
3: Um, it it was one of the more bizarre transitions that's for sure
0: yeah no kidding
3: wow (laughs)
0: I'm sorry, I'm just. I'm not trying to laugh at you. I was just like, I was not expecting the conversation to go that way.
3: <laughs> Neither was I. I. I never. I still think to this day, man, what, what are some of my teachers, some of whom are now dead, they, are they looking down from somewhere going, what the hell is he doing? I didn't teach him to do that. What <laughs> he did. And, actually, because people will sometimes, they'll say, you know, I can see some of Irv Shapiro in your miniature painting. They'll that, say that.
2: That's
0: cool. That's really cool. So okay, um, now you recently did your Kickstarter, and now you're the only person I know personally that I know that did a Kickstarter. That's not, I mean, that I know someone who I could talk to about this. So I'm really kind of curious. Um, did, what was it like? I mean, what did you have to do to get this get this ball rolling? What what inspired you to take it out on the road? As as you know, I suppose, and uh, you know, put all your techniques out there on video.
3: There was a few primary reasons. First. Used to do the the live classes, especially at Adepticon. Right. That was difficult because ours is super intensive, real hands-on, and and they wanted more people in the room. For us, once you get past six, you're pushing it. We would have ten people in the room, and there was two of us. Oh, I because can... we're getting down right next to you. This is not us in the front of the room just talking at you. This is us sitting next to you, brush in hand, fighting over the same miniature, paint on it. And I thought, you know what, wait a second. Maybe if it's in video form, people could rewind something. If they just, dang, I'm not getting that one one element, I can watch it again and again and again. I can put the text blocks in there to explain, well, midtones, what is he talking about? Dry brush, damper, what are these things he's talking about? There's always a little definition there for people to see. I thought that's something I can add. And also there was a lot of requests on the blog, I would do article after article, and people would say, "Yeah, you know, this is nice—the the text, the images—but I, I got to see you actually painting it." And I'd say, "But, but this is free." And they'd say, "Yeah, but it's just—it's pictures. It's not—I want to see you actually physically painting it in front of my eyes." And then we thought, "Well, maybe this is the way to go." I, I didn't expect to do fifty-three of them, <laughs> but that—but see, that's once when people do kickstarters. And, and I, this happens every time I'm trying to prep somebody for one of those. First, I actually want to slap them across the face and say, this is the last thing you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> because you just, you're just going to want to take a bath in broken glass afterwards. It'll be more fun. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. Just ask any, you can always, that stare, the thousand mile stare of anyone that's ever done a Kickstarter. Right. <laughs> that broken spirit, <laughs> just hollowed out <laughs> shell of what used to be a person. They must have done a Kickstarter in the last year or so.
0: <laughs> so, okay. I mean, your, your Kickstarter seemed really successful, and obviously you were hitting all of these stretch goals, and I'll do another video, I'll do another video. Did you realize at the time when you were adding all these extra videos, like how much work you were adding on to yourself? Did you realize what you were doing?
3: Well, the original list was 85. So okay. we were actually cutting back. Oh, jeez. Well, think of, think of, oh, let's go to the colors. Right now, I still have to do a color uh, video on black, another one on white. There's, there's still other colors that I want to do specific videos for, other horse breeds. I've got new terrain projects, uh, all this Wild West stuff. I want to do a video how to make Wild West terrain. Uh, I've learned so much just with, with new pro- new techniques, that, that stuff with using the realistic water or fire and other right. things. I had no clue until about three weeks ago. So all these things, these are stuff that, that ends up in videos using the wood the way I have on the tree bark. I never tried it before, it maybe limited fashion, but someone gave me a whole bag of this stuff. And I said, well, I got a whole bag of it. It was free. Even if I screw it up, still free. So that's, that's another. All these things, video this, video that. The only thing that limited it was we knew right away we couldn't use GW minis. Right. So that, so that meant, okay, we got to do a search of A, the right kind of minis, and B, will they let us use them? And some companies, well, like Reaper, they were nice enough right away to say, sure, go ahead and use ours. Theirs were perfect because you have so many different miniatures to choose from. Because there were some videos where I actually tried, I think it was four. That was a rec- one was four different miniatures I tried just to see. A, can I paint it in that eighty-eight minute window? Because that's, that's another kind of important detail. Oh, that's there true. Was
0: not... I'm oh, sorry. I didn't mean, to, no. I'm just saying that's true. I didn't think about that. You've got to find a model that you can paint in the time limit. Yeah. Okay.
3: And will it show off the techniques? You want to show somebody how to how to paint cloaks. Well, what the thing is usually also covered in armor. Well, do you just not show the armor part and? Just kind of off-camera do that. But one of the, the rules that I had was no voiceovers, no off-camera stuff, no speed ramping. Those were the three primary rules because I the few videos that I've seen, I hated that. And from what I asked everybody else, they said those three things, don't do those because we hate that. We yeah. despise that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, the only off-camera stuff you had was when you paused it to go dry the model.
3: That was That was it. I tried right. to make it. Even that camera angle, it took about three and a half weeks of uh, yoga contortioning, <laughs> taping stuff together to just to get that camera angle. Because no one you never see that camera angle. Why? Because normal humans can't bend themselves into that shape.
0: Oh boy.
3: To get that camera angle. I wanted you to not see me. I wanted you to see well, you gotta see my hands, but I wanted it to be like you have that miniature in your hands. You're painting it. Sort of like a, what, a first-person shooter computer game? That was the right. perspective that I wanted people to have. I, I actually had to tape my arms in place because if I'm like this, all it took was a shift like this, boom, he's off He's off camera.
0: You taped your she, arms.
3: Taped them down to the table because there was a tendency to, again, all I had to do was move it this much.
0: Oh, that's this, right. You only had this to move. Off. Oh, you, this, you were so close. Two or three inches would take it off screen.
3: Well, let's put it this way: this this camera dot that's the miniature.
0: Okay. My hands
3: were here. The camera was here. My face was touching the camera. Oh. This was the setup. Wow. Miniature camera, me, and there was a magnifier light right here. So I had this much. Okay. So looking through look this your, much.
0: Your face is touching the back of the camera. You've got one of those one of those headlamp minor lights on your head, lighting the thing extra. Oh, it was a swing arc lamp. Oh, okay. It was, oh, a, so it was a
3: gigantic 200-hour, seven-times-diopter swing arc lamp. Oh,
0: so, so that's right ahead, right above your eyes, like right above your eyebrows.
3: Lamp is here. Camera is here. This is me. Oh, so, so you've got, like, the ninja eyes.
0: That's all you've got that, between the – poor James. When the camera
3: shakes, <laughs> it's because my nose is touching the back of it. Oh, Not because geez. of anything else. I actually filmed that on a solid oak drafting table that was about 70 years old so that it wouldn't shake. Oh. During the
0: course of it. Wow. And you put out all those videos.
3: Now, okay,
0: now, they turned out really nice. I'm going to say, you know, they really did. Um, in fact, I went out and, you know, that package you showed of your number eight rounds. I told my wife, she's at Hobby Lobby, I said, see if you can find anything number eight. Now, I was looking in the regular paintbrush aisle, where they have all the individuals, and I couldn't find it. She's like, I can't find it. I'm like, well, don't worry, I'll look again. She comes home with these Christmas ornaments that the girls are going to put together and paint. And they pull out a package, and I'm like, give me that brush. And I, I pick up the brush to show her, because she's brushing, and it's all coming streaky. I'm like, listen, this is what you want to do. I'm showing her not to make the paint streaky. And I look at the brush, and I'm like... This is a round number eight. I'm like, this is the brush I, to- I told you to get. She goes, well, here, here's the package. It's the exact uh-huh. package with this, with the, with the, with the rainbow stripes at the top, and it says 4.99 in the little green circle. Yep. I'm like, Excellent. these are the brushes. So I've actually got the exact brushes. So now I'm watching the videos again, trying the technique. Now, you, how many people, uh, how many different people sp- uh, went in on the Kickstarter?
3: Let's see. I, I kind of discount the ones that actually didn't even want videos or did the $5 thing. You're looking okay. at effectively about 285 290 somewhere in that range. Wow, and I know a
0: lot of them too.
3: <laughs> just,
0: a, a lot, did a lot of them just go and get that you know, with the shaded base coat? Was
3: that a bunch there of It was. Them? Let's see. I'm trying to think because I have to divide it up into PAL and NTSC. Oh, okay. PAL is the Europeans. Uh, and that one, gosh, I must have – I think I did about 50 PALs and hundreds of NTSCs. Okay. Almost every single person wanted that. It's a good thing, but I think I did emphasize, look, if you're going to get anything else, you want to get this one.
0: Yeah, I You up, really
3: kind of need this one.
0: I wound up picking up, I think, like 11 of them. I picked up a couple of the single colors and some of the Sky Earths and some of the freehand brushing. Um, you with your big flat chunk of sculpy painting, look, and this is how you do it. And oh, you make it look so easy. It was so frustrating watching you do it. And I'm like, I'm trying I'm like, yeah, you know, it was like one of those things. And I know you got to go through your reps. You got to practice. But I'm sitting there watching and you. I mean, you watch on the video, and you try to paint along with it. And you're like, yeah, mine doesn't look anything like that. I got the little stick figure. I'm holding it up next to this little Mona Lisa. I'm like,
3: no, nope, not quite. Got to try again. Well, there was a couple of reasons I did. That was more of a last-minute thing. Those, oh gosh, they average between nine and twelve minutes long. Those segments on segments on Sculpy. Right. That was. I'm looking at those miniatures, going, you know, this thing's really small, and even if the camera is really zoomed in on it, it's still going to be small. Now, boy, if they could see this bigger, if they could see this bigger. They might, they'll, they'll know what they're supposed to do, and then they can try and translate that smaller. Uh, we do that with our free hand. We draw it big. We'll draw it huge like this. Right. And then we'll start scaling it down to the point where, okay, this is the size it's going to be. And after we've gone big to regular size, then we'll actually put it on the miniature because we practiced it. And I guess the other thing, too, with each, each video, I had to buy at least five miniatures because a couple were to see, are they the right one? Then I had to do a color test just to see, well, is this going to look right? Okay. Then I had to do another one to see how much time was it going to take, and then there was a third one for actually painting the thing on the video. So there was there was hundreds of miniatures to prep because each video took four to five miniatures. Whoa, jeez!
0: Well, that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I knew you. I knew it took at least two because you had the one you were working on uh, with the, that orc, um, and yes, what you and weren't seeing
3: were the two or three the, test ones <laughs> that I did to try and get it down to eighty minutes. Oh, jeez! Because I've, am I going to grab a miniature that I've never painted before or maybe once and try and go into warp drive? Well, Bob Ross, the guys that did that kind of video painting, that painting you're seeing him do, that's probably the 300th time he's done that. He's probably done it in demos, live demos. He can do it in his sleep. Are you he a fan could probably of- actually shoot him, and he could still do it. His <laughs> corpse could paint that thing. Are you a fan of Bob Ross? Everything but the fro. Actually, but, but the original guy was the was the Bill German Alexander.
0: Bill, Bill Alexander. Bill Alexander. They're, the former POW. Yep, I used to watch that with my grandparents on Channel Eleven, and I actually have a couple of seasons of Bob Ross. I I got them for Christmas. I show I show them to my uh, to my students when we cover in humanities when we cover painting, and they all claim that painting is so hard it's impossible to do, and I know it's a total jip because, like you said, he's done it a thousand times. Like, really, is that hard? Watch this. Click. And they get amazed. I love Bob Ross. <laughs> he's, just, he's
3: fantastic. Well, the thing that I I did like about Bob Ross and there's a couple other guys. They didn't. It just wasn't magic. They did say, "Look, for composition wise, the tree does not go right in the center of the picture. It's got to go off to the side here. Exactly. I got to balance this one big one with two small ones." He would say that it was interjected real quick. Yep. And he didn't make it sound complex, but he would just say, "Yeah, you kind of want to do this. Otherwise, it's going to look real funky."
0: Yeah. No, it was great. Like I said, I, I like I, said, I have several seasons of it. And I know people make fun of me like, you own Bob Ross shows? I'm like, oh, yeah. Dude, I love watching people paint. It's fascinating. So, okay, now you did say that there was sort of soul crushing at some points. I don't think that's exactly So what are some of the, I mean, unless, I mean, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it, but I know you ran into a few hiccups and you were having some trouble getting things out to some people. and Because, you know, obviously I backed you, so I got all the emails. Um, what was some of the, what were some of the, the troubles and the trials you went through to get all this out there and done for people?
3: Well, some of it is what every, every person goes through. I, I just, last week I was talking a person down off the ledge because they were doing their kickstarter and they said, holy smokes, what's going on here? And I said, yeah, that's, that's kind of normal. That's what happens. Uh, within minutes of starting the campaign, we didn't even know what a digital download was. So all of a sudden, the, the demands were such to a point where people were canceling pledges a few hours into the Kickstarter, demanding something that we'd never planned on. And you have to realize that we started planning this thing sometime in early, late August, early oh, September, October. Okay. The thing didn't even go live, I think, until February. So we'd spent five, six months planning this. Oh, right, and None right. of the plans were downloads. Uh, so... Again, that was something we were never expecting, and that happens to almost everybody who does a Kickstarter, is they're presenting the stuff they want to do, and everybody starts demanding things that they don't have and never were part of the plan.
0: Okay. So now, I know you got hung up with some of the downloads, and like you said, it wasn't originally part of the plan, and I know you you ran into... Did the downloads ever come through? Because I know you were actually sending out some... Weren't you sending that? Uh, I sent
3: out. Like- out well, I sent out dozens of USBs. Yeah. Right? I sent out almost forty of them. So, yeah, the that's company. actually that's done. They they did their thing. Actually, you can now buy them the post Kickstarter versions from oh, them now.
0: Great. Where where can you get where can, for people who are interested? Where can they get your videos?
3: That should be on CoolManyOrNot.com. Excellent. I I don't have any exact URL or anything like that. No, no
0: worries. I'll I'll go look for it and I'll put it on the show notes too. Now. They can buy the downloads. Can they also buy the DVDs there if you're a DVD person like I am? That
3: stuff, thats I'm controlling that myself because okay. that's more of an on-demand. And, and I knew that. That's why I, I wanted to keep it just in that realm because 53 videos, NTSC and PAL, means 106 different titles. Oh okay. I ran into this with 2D art. I still have piles of prints that were, that were masterpieces that everybody was going to want that nobody wanted. Still oh, got them almost 20 years later. The okay. last thing I was going to do was have stacks of DVDs, so essentially it was, I know the shade of Base Coat, Glazing, some of the basics, people want those, mm-hmm. but just in the list of Europeans versus Americans, they wanted a whole different set of videos than over here. Really? It was two entirely different sets.
0: What were they looking for?
3: Over here, it was more color theory, flesh tone, uh, weathering. Over here... Okay, wait, wait, which is
0: which over here are we talk the first over this here? This is Europeans, okay, Europe, Europeans okay. over here. Okay,
3: and over here are the Americans. They wanted the, the non metallics, the fluorescent paints, the object source lighting, the freehand, what this side sometimes calls the frivolous techniques. <laughs> the Americans <laughs> they they like And, and I knew there was going to be a war, yeah. I knew there would be a disparity in one or the other. And sure enough, be darned if when you looked at the numbers. Over here, say Sky Earth non-metallic, there was like two over here. There was 75 over here. Oh, so, so there's huge differentials. Huge. So, and then they, they wanted the flesh tone, they were really after the different flesh tones.
0: The Europeans wanted flesh tones and base coats, and we were looking for all the fancy pants techniques. I got you.
3: It, it's and I and I knew it had a, a potential for following along that line. They were also kind of interested in the basing. Not not much in the terrain either. Americans obviously, because I think Americans do more of the, the gaming whatever they want to make their own gaming tables and maybe they don't right. have places to play like they do in Europe. Heavy on the terrain and basing also on the on the NTSD side.
0: Oh, cool. So now, if someone wants to order DVDs, how who how do where do they go? How do they to contact you? Is that on?
3: For right now, they can send me a Facebook message, and I'll just take care of them personally. Okay. Because, again, I want to keep it on an on-demand basis. Right. Really sort of waiting till January of next year because when the download thing got delayed, I had to take on tons of miniature painting commissions. I mean, just figures stacked 10 miles high, and I can't do those because the shipping of this stuff, that can be difficult. The post office—they changed all the rules yes. in the course of us starting it. So when it was time to ship them, it, it was—I didn't recognize it. Oh jeez. We had, we had planned for one way of shipping. Well, then all of it, they triple the cost. I mean, that aside, they just said that that whole set of rules there that you've been doing for the last 10, 12 years to ship your art—well, that's out the door. We got a whole new set of rules, and they're going to change every week. Oh. And we're yeah. gonna, we're going to redo the site half the time. The site's not going to work. Yeah, that was, it was insane. Um, there there were times where I would, I'd have a package all set to go, and just to print the labels would take 45 minutes, an hour and a half, just to try and get labels printed for these things. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, (laughs) that's why there's way more white here than there was when the thing started. And other places too, but you probably don't want to be showing that on this uh, very public video.
0: Well, we're well, we're all audio. It's all on the podcast, so no one's no no one's no one's seeing anything. So, but you still don't have to show me. I can see you right now while recording, and I, I'll pass on that. No offense. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Um, wow. Okay, let's let's you know we're hitting about that mark. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's uh, let's move from Kickstarter and talk about the painting pyramid.
3: Sounds good. All right, we'll be back in a
0: moment, folks. Cheers.
3: Yeah, this is Sigvald the Magnificent, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. After the show, I'm going home with the fat one. Mmm...
0: And we are back, Dak, David, and James Wapple. James, thanks for sticking around with us.
3: Yeah, hopefully people are still here.
0: Oh, I'm certain they are. They're, in fact, now they're waiting. Dave, quit talking about the Kickstarter. Get to the paint. So um, the painting pyramid. How'd you come up with the painting pyramid?
3: Oh, my gosh. Uh, probably three, four weeks into planning, I was driving myself nuts as to what the heck I should call this thing. And it was another one of those 2, 3 in the morning, I'm exercising in the basement, and I said, oh, what the heck am I going to call this thing? Well, it's like a construction. There's, They want to go up these layers, these levels. Oh, pyramids, a pyramid, a painting pyramid. And I immediately grabbed a pencil and a piece of paper and just said – I just started drawing. I, I think I actually said – I did it in a blog post. Yes, okay. I think it's even in the progression of crappy sketches to slightly less crappy to the final <laughs> – Images which then ended up actually on a T-shirt. And even this uh, sweatshirt that I'm wearing has it, which you can't see. I've also got the, has that logo on it.
0: <laughs> I've got the T-shirt. I've actually worn it. I've been in school. Teach kids. They're like, What is that? Oh, that's for, that's for Mr. White when he paints his toy soldiers. Like half the kids know, and the other kids are like, what are you talking about? What is Well, a I
3: wanted it to, to en- emphasize this whole, okay, here the, on this, you need a strong foundation because that's what was emphasized to me in all my years of 2D painting and instruction. You have to have this solid foundation, whether it's a painting or your whole technique. And that's why shaded base, coat, glazing, those are on the bottom level. And once you master those, that will let you get to that next level and do more complicated stuff. You move from there because there's techniques that wouldn't have been part of the Kickstarter. Even if I had done it two years ago, wouldn't have known anything about those techniques. But- oh, like the painting with powders and stuff, I had no clue. Never tried it. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the terrain stuff, the basing stuff, all of those things were, were part of my armies. Oh, that okay. Was, that was part of my armies, and, and that is why it's uh, – I, I use those as a laboratory, basically. I, I try, say, terrain. Is this, this thing going to work out? Can I really make this wall, this fortress, using nothing more than pink foam and cereal boxes? And then I found out I could. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that the freehand okay. patterns for the Dark Elder Army, uh, well, let, let's see if I can come up with a freehand pattern that's simple enough that I can not only do it on a whole bunch of figures, but everything as big as a huge plane down to one little witch or cabal warrior. So that I thought, okay, this is a good thing to to show people for freehand because it's it's simple enough to repeat over and over again on some crazy surfaces, you know, not flat stuff like space marines. Right. Uh, I just had to find the right miniature because, hey, I couldn't use a dark elder miniature. So the search for the miniature for that drove me nuts. I ended up using the uh, the urban mammoth uh, figure. Oh right. Because it had the wings on it. And I thought, well, that's a broad enough surface for people to see this type of freehand play out.
0: Cool. So let's get, I want to get back to the shaded base coat. For those who haven't seen your video and don't know what it is, how would you describe your shaded base coat technique? And how would you come up with it?
3: I, just, I had to come up with a name. And I thought, well, it, people, they, they look at it and say, well, is that a base coat? And I'd say, well, it's sort of a base coat, but it's shaded. Uh, well, it, it's that somewhat goes together, shaded base coat, because it really is a base coat. It's not a final thing at all, but you are putting shading instead of just you're taking, let's say, red. And everything that's going to be red, you paint red and then throw a wash over it. What you're actually doing is you're starting with that middle tone, which we'll probably hear a lot here. Uh, that's in the middle. So let's say value scale 1 to 10, you start at a 5, right, right in the middle. And then you start to work actually lighter. Because most people they start well black and work all the way up with a thousand different layers. Seventy-five years later, they have they might have a miniature painted. Say <laughs> no, let, let's cut this process down. Let's cut to the middle. Let's work lighter and then let's add all those those dark colors later. Because now there's there's not the formulas to remember. There's not that whole. Uh, how many times have you had to paint ten miniatures, ten space rings, ten whatever? And your color's starting to dry because you've had to mix ten million little things together one percent at a time. Screw that. This is me I want to match my lizard man skinks that I haven't touched in eight months or a year and a half. I know that the first color I used was just a basic light turquoise, which then got lighter. And to make the purple hands and head and feet, I just added purple glazes. So okay. I used three colors turquoise a light and purple that was it it's a lot easier to remember that than, geez did i make scaly green with this with that with the other in a thousand different layers no this is start out simple just like i would my 2d paintings start real basic with a larger brush block in that color just throw in a flesh tone throw in the hair throw in this here and then actually do some rudimentary highlights Not final highlights, but just make it lighter. Then you go back in with the glazing, which it lets you match a color. You just keep glazing till it matches. Okay. And you can stop. You can get more variety. This way you're ten guys, well, maybe you don't want five o'clock shadow on one guy. Well, you 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 kinda you can leave that out. You don't put that in in the glazing phase. It lets you either get more variety or again just you don't have to have twenty different colors out on the palette, because people psych themselves out. That's the other thing that the Shaded Base Coat was supposed to do, and I do this in a class. I'll, I'll take all the other colors away, and I'll say, here's five. You got these five. You're going to make every color out of those five. After they've soiled themselves a couple of times and picked <laughs> themselves off the floor, I say, look, it'll all be fine. We'll show you how to mix, mix your own colors. Within 15 minutes, they're having so much fun, you can't stop them.
0: Well, yeah, because I I hear people. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast just the other week, and someone was telling their friend how they had something like thirty seven layers or on their their models, the flesh tones, to get the, the you know to the smooth transitions. And I am just like thirty seven layers. I don't think I've put thirty seven layers on a whole model. All the colors I've used on it, and it's just like and I and I like I could I don't I don't even know how they do it. Like not. Just the patience, but like, I don't know how they do it. Like Where are their techniques coming from? And then I watched yours, and it really is. Um, in fact, I, I wanted to ask you about this because one of the things is you don't use a small brush. Everyone no. uses these little tiny, you know, a, a zero oh, gee, or a you one little
3: brushes. What the heck are they doing?
0: And you've got, and you, I found them at Hobby Lobby. In fact, I was it, we we were laughing earlier because I, I was telling you I think it was off the air that. My wife had been I know, probably on the air, but we found the the exact brushes um, that you were talking about. Big round number eights. Uh, they come in a ten pack for like five bucks, and you hold them all the way at the back of the brush to, to so you can't come in and do any detail work with it.
3: That all goes back to the two D art where you were you were told actually if you were caught holding. The brush down by the metal part the ferrule they take it away from you they actually physically take the brush away from you okay and, and think of the structure of that brush yes it's a larger brush but look, what's the tip that the tip of that brush when you water it down and kind of coax it that's a pretty darn razor sharp tip i've painted eyeballs and freehand with that with the number eight are you kidding? We we actually those memoir tanks that you've seen me do. Right. I've I've done I painted those with that brush, and, and like the little U.S. stars on on a tank that's the size of a, a nickel.
0: Okay. See now I'm just like ugh because I, I I literally this week just started trying to paint eyeballs on my dwarfs, my GW ones, which as you know they've got that heavy brow in the helmet and it's hard to even see. Where that little eyeball is sculpted, and I—I I will admit, I am using a Windsor Newton triple lot. After I put the dark base coat on the flesh on on the model, I'm going in with a triple lot and painting in the white, and then I'm still going past the eyeball. I'm going back with the triple lot and, and going back with the with the dark flesh again to 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 shape it back into a proper eyeball shape. I can't imagine doing that with a number eight though.
3: Well, one of the things, and you hear in all those videos, I think it's about the first three to four minutes of all of them talks about the palette, but it talks about the brushes, exactly. it talks about those those liner brushes. Well, those those number eights are essentially gigantic versions of those liner brushes. And I even say, I think, well, here, look at the tip of this number eight, and look at the tip of this liner. Don't they kind of look about the same size? Yeah. Now, again, the number eight, when it's beat up, you won't have that shape. But you you do see in a lot of the videos where I use the more beat-up version. That's what I use for the shaded base coat. Because now it's almost like a small filbert brush. The longer bristles, it means it holds more pigment, holds more paint. So instead of you going from miniature to palette, miniature to palette, over and over again, you're sticking to the miniature more. The, The fewer brush strokes you use, the better, because the more brush strokes you do, that tiny little spotter brush of yours. Right. Okay, we want you want a smooth blend. Which one of us is gonna have a better chance of doing that? Me with fifteen strokes or you with ah, I don't know, twelve hundred. Something's gonna go wrong for you during the course of those twelve hundred brush strokes. For me with fifteen, not so much. We we used to do a painting exercise in our in our class, to say, okay. You're going to paint this thing. You have 400 brush strokes, and this partner, you're going to partner up with somebody. They're going to count off every stroke. Every stroke is brush to palette, and once it goes to the paper and comes off, that's a brush stroke, and I'd have to tell people five minutes in, I'd say, uh, you realize you've used up, oh, I don't know, about 80, and then they panic, and when it came time for me, they're like, all right, all right, let's, let's count yours, and I take the big old number I don't know whatever it was a one inch wide brush, slather it full of paint, pop that thing on the thing and just start slathering all around the the picture, putting in my value pattern like I always did, and that counts as one. And two thirds of the surface would be covered with some form of paint. Five (laughs) strokes in, it it was already starting to look like something. Fifteen strokes in, I already I had all the foundation set. I had. 370 to 385 strokes just play with now. And that's how I approach the miniature painting is that the first initial blast and you've seen on the shade of base coat. Oh yeah. It's just, just all you're trying to do is cover up the dang primer because the worst thing you can do now, I know people like to like paint the face and leave the rest of it unpainted. There can be an issue there. If you're using black primer and let's say you're doing the face the colors on that face are going to end up being way darker, especially if he's wearing any kind of light-colored clothes. Okay. Because guess what? You're painting that light flesh tone next to black. Everything looks light next to black.
0: Oh, okay. Because Yes. Oh, so the face looks really light because the whole rest of the model is is black, black. and then when you add in the colors, then that face looks darker. That makes absolute sense. It's sort of an optical illusion.
3: What if his shirt is almost parchment-colored? Well, now you've been painting that face compared to black. And now that face is a shirt that's probably the, supposed to be about the same lightness of that shirt. and not going to be the same. It's going to look totally different. It's gonna look completely, it might even look uh, kind of like he's been uh, fried in some kind of a fake-and-bake machine <laughs> or been a victim of a nuclear attack because he's going to be very red, potentially. So that that's why I try to – the Shaded Base Coat is all about – Establishing context across the whole figure. It's a oh. blue space marine. Just start slapping blue all over the place, but don't just paint the shoulder pad. Put the blue everywhere.
0: Okay. Even
3: yeah. Put put the put the gold on there too. Even let them mix together. Because guess what? If he's got a gold ornamentation on his blue armor, that gold's going to reflect some of the blue. It's not just going to be like magically. The, he goes through the some tunnel and just the gold shows up here and then the blue over here. No, it's going to reflect the blue. So you're painting a face, blue shirt. Guess what? It's going to reflect that blue, uh, face with a red shirt. You better have some kind of red reflected on that face. So it's going to look weird. Easiest way to do it is if you've just been slapping red paint all over the place and just let it mix together. It's just very traumatic for people that aren't used to that.
0: (laughs) And then you just go back later and you touch up as necessary, basically, right?
3: We basically tell people, when people are always wanting a work-in-progress shots, we'd say, look, this is going to look like ass for the first 75% of it. And then it's just in that last 15 20% that everything gets tied together. That's how a two-dimensional painting works. Right. You start out just with blocking in values. The trees in the background are just a solid mass of colors. Then you start to knock down some of the edges. You make some of it darker, some of it lighter. Some gets highlights, whatever. Then you put stuff in the foreground. You don't. If you're going to do a painting, you don't put everything in the foreground first. You got to do the background stuff first. Exactly. And you work your way forward. So that's a little bit what you're doing here. You're you're, you're establishing that pattern as fast as possible, getting rid of white primer, getting rid of black primer, whatever it is. You also see me mention gray primer all the time. I use gray primer because it's neutral. You, you paint a face next to the gray, it's not like white primer, the face tends to be too dark. Uh, black, that is too light, black primer is the opposite, too, too light. So that, that kind of, it's a neutral ground, basically, Get rid of the white. Also, people tend to freak out when they see white and black primer. They get, what do you want to call it, intimidated. You used to call it white canvas syndrome. Oh, right. White primer syndrome. They they look at this thing and they just they psych themselves out. Oh, boy, I don't know if it's a lot of primer. How am I going to paint this? And they, they slowly convince themselves that they can't paint it. I've seen it happen. I've watched it live just in person. See somebody staring at a miniature that's white or black. And they've got a wall of paints behind them, <laughs> and it's just hundreds of colors. Can't choose. Well, just choose a few. Choose a handful. Doesn't matter what the darn handful is. You might want to have a a red, a yellow, and a blue in there. It's kind of helpful, but but simplify things. Don't don't bring out forty colors to paint your one miniature. You, you just confuse yourself.
0: Yeah, i i i tend to i tend to fall into that category. I do that. I actually do that quite a bit. Um, I'm actually lucky out because uh, now that you mention, it, I'm thinking about it. Is I'm painting up my. Uh, I have a. I'm working on a uh, Games Workshop dwarf army for fantasy, and uh, I have the whole the black primer followed by the uh, Vallejo air the the airbrush the metal the dark metal. So it's still mm-hmm. a bit of a darker, but it's still metal. It's a little lighter than that black. So as I, I painted that in first, and then went in and started doing, trying like I said, trying to get those faces and those eyeballs and those things, way in the recessed parts done, and, uh, yeah, I guess it, it does look pretty bright. But like I said, I'm lucky. I, I was lucky in that, it's, I, I, because I covered the entire paint, or the entire model in that metal it was a lot lighter because I could see with it being the black, how it would look, how it would totally stand out. So I guess I lucked out. <laughs>
2: but.
3: Yeah, it, it's something that I, I've emphasized more. And, and even on the videos too, just, just, it's about simplifying. It's don't, don't choose a million colors. Don't make it difficult for yourself because if you're trying to blend five or six different colors together, and these different mixtures and these formulas, people are always asking about formulas. I say, well, there's really no formula here. You you can do it this way because you, you're
0: st- – Well, in your video, you seem to – you have two or three. You This is my dark and here's my light. And I just keep mixing them together in normal places, lighter on the parts that would catch light and highlights and dark on the under parts and the parts that are going to catch shadow. And I, I guess you can't go wrong that way, can you, you know?
3: Well, I, I think, I, I know I keep mentioning this all the time, two-dimensional painting, I'm in oil painting class, there, there's no flesh tone color. You're taking some kind of a red, some kind of a yellow, and some sort of a off-white, and you're mixing your own flesh tone. Yeah. So that when you buy these flesh tones, they're, they're always either too light, too chalky, too red, too atomic. You know, all of a sudden you've got suntanned dwarves who – Never going outside, but yet the dwarf flesh, maybe they're visiting the tanning spa a lot underground. I don't know. But yeah, no, maybe. yeah.
0: I love how dwarf flesh is darker than all these all these other flesh of these other creatures who are in the sun all the time. Chris, you mentioned that to me on the last show. He just asked me. He's like, dwarf flesh is the darker of all the flesh tones, and why is that if they never see sunlight? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they're, just, they're dirty. They're working in the mines. So maybe that's just dirt. That's my
3: guess. (laughs) You can have lots of fun with your flesh tones. Uh, The the Imperial Guard Army that I did for for Adepticon last year, it's actually primed green. Not because the guys were green, but because I could prime them green and take semi-transparent flesh tone colors, paint them over the green. Well, now they kind of have automatic five o'clock shadow that way because you're letting that green show through.
0: So... Now, speaking of using these, you know, the palettes and the color. Now, on your videos, now, I I picked up a couple of the uh, single color ones. And the one, uh, my favorite color is green. People, uh, my army, in fact, the army I'm painting now, I am keeping all green out of it because pretty much everything I've painted up to this point is heavy on the green. But, of course, I bought your green video because why not? And uh, you do what you call the, the, it says it's glazing. But then on the video, you sort of correct yourself and say it's more of a focused wash.
3: Uh, yeah, it, well, it's hmm, – I, I pretty much put that definition on every video. A glaze is a controlled wash because people think of glazing as you take a brush with a whole bunch of this stuff and it just go over the top of the figure and let it just go into the crevices. Mm-hmm. And that's – you, as you've seen by the video, that's not what it is. No, you're taking no. those small brushes, and you're just focused on one little area.
0: So when you do that, and I, mean, I and like I said, I, I, it, if anyone hasn't seen it, this is these are ones that are worth downloading. Just picking one of those one-color videos. You learn so much because, you, like I said, with the green, you go from green and you go somewhere between the blues and the yellows. So like you sort of get that whole section of the color wheel, anything with that green tint, and then you just start popping. And like you said, and it was funny because I'm watching you paint that, that tree model, I think it was a Reaper model, and uh, it's just, you're like slapping colors everywhere, and it makes no sense, like the first 70% of the video, and all of a sudden, you're like, now watch this, bam, and you start slapping, <laughs> like, oh my god, that's so cool, like you're hitting it, but it is, because I, mean, I came into this like when GW had sort of phased out their glazes, and they just had washes, so I never could quite get a definition of what it meant to do a glazing, and you're just like, well, I'm just putting those just those washes where they go. Do you ever paint a model with just, like, once you get your shaded base coat down, do you ever just paint, like, all-in washes?
3: I've done that a few times. It, it really depends on the figure. It depends how it's sculpted, what the final result was supposed to be. There's there, there's a few that have been almost all just glazes after a certain point. Now, if they're, once you get into things that need freehand or whatever, I, I also like to – and this it's not really glazing. It's not really, I don't even know what you call it, but I take the glaze colors, like the secret weapon washes, right? Whatever they're called. I'll take those and I'll take a regular opaque color, I don't know, a flesh tone, a light green, a light blue, whatever. And let, let's say I'll just take the, maybe the armor wash or amethyst. If I mix a light colored regular paint in that, I'm going to get something that's vaguely purple, vaguely kind of an amber color. But it's semi-opaque. and that's what I like to use in those those middle tone areas. Part of it is to kind of kill any weird brush strokes or say you have any kind of dry brush texture. There's any of that. Okay. So it also it helps smooth things down, but you get all kinds of really neat colors because it's an opaque because people think glazing is only darker. Well, it's not. You can actually glaze light colors too. Cool. That is one of the keys. And I do it on the, the, the tree man figure, and I, just, I do that all the time, especially on flesh tones. That's another way to get some nice, smooth flesh tones with more realistic colors, you know, to get that more, more of a greenish tint in areas, maybe more of a. I think I even mentioned on some of the videos. Okay, here you're going to have more blood vessels towards the top of the skin, so this needs to be tinted more reddish just because this is where blood vessels are. Oh, so you cool. want this to so maybe a little more red, and and it's easier to do that with these semi-opaque colors again than trying to just bunch of or do a bunch of standard totally opaque colors.
0: Gotcha. So I I got one more question before it's time to take our next break. Uh, you had mentioned, and uh, this sort of leads in, into it. You had mentioned how you know you you when you were uh, in you know school. You didn't have a thousand colors. You had to sit and mix colors to get what you wanted. Obviously, you didn't have any metals when you were painting with your watercolors or your pastels or whatever. Uh, so you do a lot of non-metallic videos and techniques. What what advice can you give to people? I mean, other than watch the video and practice, like what advice can you give people who are interested in even trying the the, the non, uh, non-metallics?
3: There's a couple of basic principles. One is reflected light. That that is one of the most important things, because and it doesn't even take a metal surface. Even wood will reflect light, but but think that you get your metal surface. The light's coming usually from above, right? Right. But what's hitting the the light's going to hit the ground and bounce back up. So if you've got that suit armor, even if it's not the shiny stuff, let's say it's more just a regular kind of a burnished steel or whatever. If, if the guy is standing there on a sandy plain, the bottom parts of the armor around his legs, the underside of the knees, the, the undersides of all the armor surfaces, they should reflect that ground color and be slightly lighter. You've got your highlights towards the top, and those are obviously probably going to be more blue because the sky is most likely going to be a bluish color. And then you've got your darks. So you'll have your light, which is going to be more blue, going to build up that dark and then, as you need that reflected light, and that's what most people don't do is they they treat it like it's a cloak. So it's it's light at the top, dark at the bottom. Metals tend to go really light, dark, somewhat, light. and that that most of them, that reflected light is metal reflects thing. Even when it's really kind of a beat up metal, it's still going to reflect something. Uh, a practical way to look at this is watch cars. take a look at cars. And tell me, black SUV, really look at that black SUV and tell me which part of that is black. Nothing. There ain't a single color on there that's black. It's reflecting the road. It's reflecting you, the sky, the house across the street. It's reflecting everything. It's not showing black. But from far away, your mind says, ah, it's a black SUV. Okay, cool. That was an exercise that we would do is we would look at different colored vehicles and see – all right, this is the the shiny bumper, well, look at what's reflected there. Or if it was the side panel of a minivan, we'd say, well, okay, how light does it get when it's down towards the bottom of the street? So observation is really a handy thing. Maybe just uh, metal dishes, set them up on the kitchen table and look at what what does that metal dish really look like instead of just thinking, well, it's metal, it's shiny. Now, really look at that thing and see the different colors, what's reflected in the bottom of it, see how it's it's lighter towards the bottom, because, again, the light is bouncing. Light's bouncing all over the place. So pretty much observation. Look at something that's real and actual. Just look at that, check it out. The other thing you can also do is go on different people's websites and see how they paint it, because we we actually had to look at other people's sites way back when we were first doing this.
0: Okay. Because
3: we didn't we didn't know how to paint miniatures. We were just guessing. Yeah. We, one of these little one inch tall things where I, now I have to paint the back. Because when you're painting in two D, you have to fake everything. Gotcha. There's nothing in the back. You have to fake three dimensions. When when you look at all the, the covers of codexes and army books. Uh, how much metallic paint do you see on the cover of those books? You see nothing. Right. They, they have to make you believe that it's metal. And again, what are they doing? Some parts of it have more blue. You can see tons of reflected light all over the place. And not necessarily, again, just on shiny stuff. Sometimes even dull armor still is reflecting some kind of light, whatever.
0: And gotcha. those are the
3: keys to the non metallic. It's almost harsher highlights reflections and reflected light in the shadows those are the things you got to remember.
0: okay cool well listen we're gonna take we need to take another break uh, when we come back folks we're gonna ask for some uh, advice and some a little bit more uh, a little bit of a bit of opinions and advice now that we've gotten past some of the basic uh, ideas so uh, Jim uh, we're gonna take a little break and uh, we'll come back and, and hit that that sound good.
3: Catched a little
0: bit. Excellent.
1: to Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at UniqueGG.com
0: We are back again, back for more
3: paint talk. If you survive, (laughs) zombies didn't get you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my thousand zombies, exactly. Uh, Okay, so um, we got a a few more questions here, and um, you know, we talked about the different types of color palettes and the non-metallics and stuff like that. Um, Let me ask you this. What, what if, Now, if, if you got someone, like, I, I, I do pretty much, you know, tabletop standard work, okay? Do you have any general advice you'd give someone who's basically got a tabletop quality work and they just, they want, you know, they want to start getting better? They want to move up to where they're either getting, you know, full marks at, at tournaments or maybe even getting into something where, you know, they might get a nod toward at least, you know, Looking or, or you know you know when people vote for players' choice, maybe get a player's choice v- a vote or two in there if they're trying to move up to that next level.
3: I guess the simplest ways, basing, basing and freehand, really, those are the two. If you're looking for the most obvious, most controllable ways to enhance something, because cause rock and gravel painted with some static grass, it looks nice. That that's a fine thing, but there's no steam there. Obviously you don't have to go as freaking insane as I do with my bases with painted demon faces on 200 miniatures, but just <laughs> do something. Okay. You're, you're going to do a 40 K army. Maybe take some leftover bits, put those on there. Uh, chunks of rhino tanks, helmets, make it look like he's got some trophies or whatever. Maybe just a little something on that base. Uh, I, I like to take just broken vehicle parts. Even plastic card cork is another simple thing. I'm just throwing down some cork, and even painting some road stripes on it. So even that right there is just kind of going to give it more of a theme to it. Oh, like, just the a, same like a broken asphalt gravel. with the with the cork. Oh yeah, like broken asphalt, or you take the piece of cork and you take either straws or some what is that? The little plastic uh, polystyrene tubing, and you make it look like there's some conduits or you, you cut in half and make like it look like steward drains. Throw a little water effects out there. doesn't have to be every single miniature. Maybe you just do it on guys that are special weapons, guys that are command figures. Maybe a few other guys that are in an interesting pose. They're up on one foot. Maybe instead of just having them standing in rock and gravel, maybe they're up on a, on a rock, or they're trying to run over a fallen... Piece of something, fall an i beam, whatever. Just, just maybe random battlefield junk. Even something as simple as that. Just, it gives that there's a there's some kind of story to that instead of just, well, here's the guy walking through the park again. It looks like they just didn't cut the grass today because it's a, little, it's a little <laughs> lawn. Or whoa, look at that putting green that he's walking around on. It must be at the 18th hole. <laughs> <laughs> Give, give give some kind of enhanced flavor to these things. Freehand is another one. Maybe come up with your own logo or even just numbers. Unit numbers, unit symbols, maybe doing a chevron on a shoulder pad. Uh, a little bit when you think uh, to the Army-Navy game. They're wearing the same uniform, each team. But when you look at Army, you can see one guy's got an airborne patch, this other guy maybe has a special forces. This guy's in this. This guy's in the, in the armored cav. Same thing with Navy. Maybe they're more the carrier branch. Maybe they're in the, the submariner service. So there's, there's an individual little icon even when the uniforms look for the same from a distance. Cause people are going to look at your army kind of from three different distances. They're going to look at it from far away. Most armies look alright from far away. They look the same. You get maybe four feet in, now you start to see maybe the bases. Wow, he's got wood planks on bases instead of just rock and gravel. Why does he have wood planks? Draws you in a little more. Then when you draw him into the two-foot range, now maybe they start to see freehand, maybe a little object source lighting, something simple, maybe just a diode on the guy's helmet, and you could just use fluorescent paint for that, not necessarily have to paint it like the gemstone kind of thing. Just even a dab of fluorescent orange paint, boom, glowing eye. Okay. So There's that, that triad of distances far away. Make them want to get closer because they're in a tournament room. Well, heck, Adepticon tournament room, there's, what, 250 people trying to beat the crap out of each other, and they all have an army, and they all got display boards. And the people just walking by, give them a reason to stop at yours, give them a reason to look closer. And then as they get in closer, give them something more from the to look at. And if it's an army-type thing, well, have something more on the display board than, oh, I don't know, uh, a TV tray, for one thing. Uh, maybe have some kind of fortress wall, maybe some banners on it, something along those lines. Even if it's a banner that you printed out on your printer and then maybe took some, some glue or water and made it more wavy – that's going to be more interesting maybe than the sta- standard plastic space Marine banner. Okay. Just, just say it's something that people, oh, I haven't seen that before. And that's, uh, maybe snow on your bay, whatever. I know people, snow and lava seem to be the two ways that people try to get something fun going on their armies. It's just now so many people are doing it. that people tend to, oh, there's another lava army. Yeah. Or Another snow army. So they either tend to go with fire or ice. That's why I always did the marble because that was a different sort of color, a different look. And, well, if I'm doing my Demon Hunters, it's, it's red or maybe white marble. If it's Dark Elder, it's a dark green marble, something. You could always change it. It's still marble. But changing the color, all of a sudden, boom, gives a whole army a different look. Sorry, that was a longer response than
0: you wanted. No, no, not at all. Heck, that was that was perfect. And now you did mention, uh, you know, trying to add in some freehand. Do you have any advice for that? I mean, I know you've got entire videos on it, but if someone's trying out freehand, because I've, I've tried it a little bit. It ain't easy. So if someone's going to be trying out to do a little freehand, you got any advice for beginners, you know, just to.
3: Um, actually, I got it's the same advice I give to beginners or experienced people. Draw out the design first on just a regular piece of paper. Just draw it out, see how you want it to look. A, get used to get, see if it's what you want, but B, get, but get used to doing it. Make that, make that design in your head and then start to do it smaller. Ultimately, do it if you got a banner and the banner is probably only going to be an inch by three quarters of an inch. Well, start drawing it at that size. Get used to doing it small. Because you may find that that super complicated design, which worked great when it was five inches long, not going to work so well at one inch. Maybe you simplify, you take a few things out, or you do a little changes here and there. So now you've drawn that design several times. Maybe we even paint it. We'll even paint the whole darn thing a couple of times before we ever put it on the miniature so it's in our head already. We we know what we want to do before we've ever put it on the miniature. And that'll make your life a whole bunch easier instead of well, let's see, I'll just I'll just put a design on this guy's shoulder pad and see what happens. That that usually doesn't end too well.
0: Oh, okay. I that, see what you're saying.
3: That's what that's what I suggest is just testing out the design first, larger, and then work it down to the size you need. Get get that muscle memory going. Try it as many times as you can. Maybe modify the design if need be. But Kathy and I, we, to this day, we still, if we're still we working on a banner or something special. Try it out somewhere else first. Unless it's a freehand pattern, I've done a thousand times. Like I, did, I just did, a, I think it was the little figure, the Reaper figure that was on the wood plinth. Well, that tattoo pattern, I have done a million times. I just do it. I just take the brush and just start drawing the pattern on the miniature and see where it goes. Because I've done it so many times. Okay. If it was some, if it was something new, I would definitely try it out elsewhere first. So that that is, a, and anybody can do that. That's that, that's not a super complicated thing. Sure.
0: It's just
3: practice it first.
0: Okay. Um. And since we're asking for little bits of advice, I got one more on in the advice category, uh, and then I had a few more questions about you know how you like to do things. Um. You know the beginners. You want to try to make things that stand out, and you got your, you know, the advice for freehand. What about the guys who are really up there? They're the people who get get you know a bunch of you know players' choice votes. Um, you know they're they're up there in consideration. They're never quite taking home the best painted. They're in that top to say twenty percent or something like that. Um, what what is it that you need? What is what is the thing that pushes it? Oh, because I'll tell you, what, I think it was. My first, I think it was my second Games Day. I went with my son with Harrison. He was like, I think, nine or ten at the time. And that was the year that you got uh, the thing at Games Day for your Lizardmen.
3: Oh, for the Lizardmen, the Army. Army's on Parade. That's it. Yeah,
0: when you won that Army's on Parade. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that was amazing. And that was the first time I was actually exposed to your work, and I, I remember coming home and telling all these people I saw this amazing army. And it was this, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's Jim Waple. So I'm like, "Yeah," it's like, "Yeah, we know him." I was like, "Oh," <laughs> <And> like,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, I didn't even know he was local." They're like, "Where have you been?" I'm like, "Well, not not it not here, apparently." <laughs> um, but people who are trying to get to that next that that top level, what are the what are the things that 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 put your Armies over them because I see I saw your Tomb Kings when you said a couple years ago that you had, and I've seen your like I said your lizard men army, and I mean, I mean you win awards. What what is that key? What's that thing that puts it over the top?
3: Oh, it's all about Mister T pain. <laughs> it is, it, it, this is this is where it gets a little more sad because you have to increase your pains threshold exponentially because now you got to start doing the crazy stuff now. Because uh, just from a judging standpoint, because Kathy and I, we've had to judge a whole bunch of uh, bunch of different armies. But if we're not in a tournament, we're usually judging the armies. Right. And there's a there's a checklist that'll say, take it down to the top quarter. And then, then you start looking through the top quarter. and not. But now you start looking for, well, the conversions, the scratch builds. I actually, what's that called? Like the four pillars to army building winning or whatever, and it was the the wow factor, like that Lizardman temple thing. You look at it and you go, damn. you got to get a hit in there first. Well, what's structurally inside that damn, it's things that you built from scratch. So they're, where the heck did that miniature come from? I've never seen that. Well, you're not, because it was built from scratch. Or it was built from all these different pieces, unrelated kits, to make something really interesting. It's legal. It's a, what you see is what you get. But some some kind of interesting conversion. Got to come up with a story. Every single one of my armies has anywhere between a two- to five-page story written about it. And there's characters in the story that are sitting there in the army. And the army board ties in with the army. The board is designed to display elements of the army in context. But that's, again, this is where the pain comes in. Because now you got to try and make this display board. Now, you don't have to put fiber optics through the ceiling, which no one's ever going to see. You don't have to go to that level of pain, maybe. But this is where you're going to have to base every single figure with some kind of special, something special. Uh, When you're judging these armies, it's a fantasy thing especially. you got that unit of, I don't know, 80 spearmen or a hundred rats or something. First thing I'm going to do is reach my hand down in the middle of that big batch of guys. And if the guy in the center of that is not painted to the same quality as your general automatic, boom, gone. And that's, that's what happens when you get to that top level of judging, when you're getting down to the top five, top three, one figure can kill it all. And, And I know this happened. There was an army that I was all set for to vote. I loved it. Loved the display board, the story. Great painting. Until someone said, Jim, remember, you got to reach down inside a random unit, pick up a figure, see what it's like. Reached into a – wasn't really a big unit. It was maybe ten horsemen or something. Picked it up, and the whole lower half of the figure was just prying. Wasn't even painted. Oh, no. <laughs> he had painted the outer ring completely. Basically, it was these concentric rings, and the further in you got – well, to save time, he painted less of it. Oh, no. What, what, what a judge may do is walk up to you and say, all right, what's your favorite miniature? And maybe you throw out your favorite one, and he doesn't even look at that, and he goes in deep into a unit and pulls out a skink, a rat, a snotling. And if that's not painted to the same exact quality as the general, it's an automatic, sorry, we have to go with the guy that took the time to paint every single figure to the same degree.
0: So that question of what's your favorite is almost a trick question because they're showing it to you, thinking you're going to judge it, and that's the one that you're going to judge the other models against. This is the one you put in all your time that you want me to see. Did that rank and file guy stand up to this other, you know, this, this, you know, your favorite's quality? I see. Is that
3: that is how I. That's actually how. Tell the Tomb King. Actually, last year's uh, Imperial Guard sisters. Uh, what happened there? There was there was other display boards. that were kind of almost as crazy as mine, but it came down to what I have a hundred some odd miniatures there. Every last Guardsman had plaid tartans and tattoos all over him. And each unit, each unit of ten guys had a different plaid tartan. We're talking dozens and dozens, squad after squad of 10 guys, each with a different tartan that all matched this unique basis on every single guy, different color eyeballs on each guy. Well, that was the difference. When they looked at that, they saw freehand is across the entire army, whereas another army was more generic. Time had to be saved somewhere. They saved it there. I just didn't sleep for 52 hours <laughs> I walked into the tournament having just put down the brushes 11 minutes before when we packed the army into the vehicle to get to the tournament oh, and then geez. that was the difference that was me painting more plaids some more freehand stuff instead of it just being green now it had a tartan pattern it was different from the other ones and that, that's what you're going to have to do if you want to get to that Upper echelon level, you got to have conversion, scratch build, exotic basing, something they haven't seen before. A story, a theme ties army into display board. Display board's got to have more story than just the wall behind it. It's it's well, why why are they on this base? It has to say something about where they're from, what they're fighting for. Now now mine, they have an added dimension in that that lizard man temple that you saw. Right. We we fought on that thing at least a half a dozen times. That was a terrain piece also for our games. Okay, it was part. It was part of two campaigns. the 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 surfaces of that thing were wide enough to accommodate movement trays of at least twenty guys. Standard, what twenty five millimeter base, and larger units of skinks. So each level was designed, and even the moat around it, we had rules for that moat. There were causeways. Each level had a certain movement penalty, uh, so yeah, that's uh, that. That terrain piece there was a display board, and vice versa. Everything that uh, my dark elder board that was designed to be also a game piece, you could play on in that. Heck, the thing is a fortress. Same thing with the chapel. You saw the uh, the Aegis defense line that sat out in front of it. Well, that I use that in my games. It went off the display board and onto the table. Sweet. So it, again, it was it was display, but it's also a gaming piece. This, this is we didn't realize that we were unique among most painters, and that we not only play the games but play them intensely. We play them in tournaments. Right. That that is a we didn't we thought all painters were like that. Well, why the heck would you paint miniatures unless you're going to use them? Apparently, this is a novel concept. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will admit, when I first started painting, anyone who listens to the show knows, I only picked this up because my wife threatened me if I spent one more summer sitting in front of an Xbox, she was going to murder me. And uh, we walked past a GW, and I picked up a uh, Lord of the Rings Minds of Moria set. And I was just in it for the painting. like I, like I When I got it done, I figured, oh, here's a cool game I might be able to play with someone. But I was just doing it to have something else to do. And then got into the gaming side of it. And then once I realized how much fun that was, then that's, that's pretty much it. Now this is, you know, I haven't, I haven't picked up a video game controller in a long time, actually.
3: Well, I so. think how it all started started with blood bowl. We, we had, we had unpainted miniatures. We painted the miniatures. Well, I already liked kind of making miniature terrain from my like, model trains and stuff. We right. I built blood bowl stadiums. I still got five blood bowl stadiums sitting in the house. <laughs> I had the tundra dome, it's a, basically a big ice rink with a scoreboard, 20-some-odd penguins in the stands, getting up to mischief, painted themselves blue, and they're throwing fish guts on the opposing dugout and doing all That's kinds great. of crazy stuff. Uh, I've got a casino as a Blood Bowl stadium. Uh, there was the Mimes of Moria, my Blood Bowl goblins. Oh, They geez. are French. They are mimes. Oh. <laughs> they all have striped shirts, um, little cigar, little cigarettes, uh, berets, uh, little kerchiefs. One of them is walking around with a chef's hat and a loaf of baguette. Uh, Charles de Gaulle is the coach. Uh, (laughs) Signs written in French because Luton, L-U-T-N, apparently is the French word for goblin. So there's little signs written in French. Jetez-moi, toss me. Uh, Did all kinds of fun stuff. So I guess we came to the miniature painting from a standpoint of, well, we're going to be playing with these, we might as well paint them. And like I said, to this day, there is still some form of that.
0: Hmm. Um, and this is just for personal stuff. You, we were talking about your, you were talking about your, your, your display boards and stuff. So how do you go about like choosing and designing your projects? Like, you know, I mean, I know you play it, so you play armies you want to play, but I know, like. You know, it, it seems that I, I like I know some of the some of the more serious painters that I know, they don't pick armies based on they want to win the tournament. They still want to play and they play their heart out, but they pick stuff based on, you know, this is something I want to paint. Um, you know, I'm oh. not I'm not necessarily looking for the optimal netlist build. I'm looking for something that, like you said, is going to fit a theme and a story. So how do you how do you go about, you know, choosing and designing your projects?
3: Well, the, the Tomb Kings thing is probably the best story of all because the, the Tomb Kings were new. They came out and in an Egyptophile to the point where I learned how to read hieroglyphs and everything else. I thought, okay, wow. I, I got to do this army. But there was one one critical rule. There could be no gold, no turquoise, no red because everybody else had done that and they'd all done it really good. So why why am I going to just copy what they're doing? Right. So I had to come up with some some kind of color scheme. I saw purple and gold, I saw green and gold. All looked very nice, but all had been done before. And I just on clearance gotten a bunch of these fluorescent paints. And pff, fluorescent paints, right? Like they're going to work. Well, they were doing some really wild things. And I said, "Gee, okay. Well, why why would this army be all glowing fluorescent?" Why would, they, why would each skeleton be a different color? Uh, well, I read in the in the story of the army that they're the one undead army doesn't want to be dead. They actually want to be human again. They hate the fact that they're undead. And I thought, well, why, what, they would go to any measure to not be undead. How about maybe making a deal with the Zinch God who promises them he's going to make them real boys again. Eh, if you just do a few little things for me first. So the army becomes tainted. By Zinch. the weird demon faces. The ex- their army, their their armors not gold anymore. It turns to like mercury, like quicksilver. So now it takes every color of the rainbow. The torches don't burn yellow; they burn blue, and they're cold. They that's carry an-
0: why I. You know what? I wondered. I remember seeing that army with all the fluorescent colors, and I was like, "Wow, that's it." I mean, it was. I mean, it was different. It was interesting. It grabbed people's attention. But I always in the back of my head, because I didn't, I never saw the little, you know, the sheet with the stars, I was just like, what the hell was he thinking? Like, where did this yeah. come from? So The
3: story is on the blog. Actually, I had to make a story to get people to write the story, because the hieroglyphs on that back wall that was in there, it actually told the story of the second corruption of Sosthenes, which was, he's in this ruined temple that, that's been the same for thousands of years, and all of a sudden, the winged god comes to life. So what the heck's going on here? Well, that was the Zinch God taking the form of his, of his previous God, which he had just, which in his mind was nothing. And promise, makes him this promise. He says, look, if you do what I tell you to and allow me to do this, I will make you and all of your, you'll be real again. You will be human. You will not be dead anymore. And, and he, he signs on. He signs up for the deal, which means now all of a sudden all the statues turn blue and start walking around. The carrion birds have two heads and their multicolored wings like his little pet canaries, his his exotic tropical birds that he keeps. And this is all mentioned in the story. So I put it on the wall and people just said that they just thought it was generic hieroglyphs that meant nothing. And I'm like, son of a, you know what? I spent hours doing the story here. So I actually had to come up with a reason for them to look at that. It was a single piece of paper with blood splattered all over it. It was actually an empire archaeologist. Who was there trying to interpret these glyphs, which he couldn't understand? He could understand some of them, but he didn't believe in these rumors that the dead skeletons are walking around. He's ah, this is this is just some drunk spearman, some drunk soldier that wants to make some impression on his girl back home. This doesn't, this is not real. There's no multicolored birds and blue statues walking around. And he's he basically points out these points of interest on the back wall. And he, I understand what this glyph means. And I just interpreted this glyph. This is what it means. So it was basically the Cliff Notes version of the story so through the interpretation of this archaeologist. Oh, cool. Who is then eaten by a carrion bird, and that's why there's blood splattered all over the thing. Oh, jeez. So there was actually a one page story to illustrate. It was basically like a little quick guide to the hieroglyphs on the wall. And then there was the actual story. Which some people to this day still insist should be written out as a full just a full size tone. They want they want to see what happens to Susanes. They want to know more <laughs> about his second corruption.
0: Nice. No, that's, so that, yeah, I'm I'm interested myself. I can't I can't disagree.
3: <laughs> well, and and as the story was originally, that Susanes was gonna go on to these great victories. Uh, and, and the, the hieroglyphs were all going to talk about his great victories because you see on, on all the movement traits there's, there's hieroglyphs on there and they're real, they're actually translated hieroglyphs, it's all supposed to be the great victories of Susanis. well we started doing some test battles and we were realizing that I was very fortunate if I could get a game to the second turn no matter what oh, we used, no matter what he used we just closed our eyes and things died and it's like well, ah. Uh, so now I need to explain why are they getting Do the, you-know-what beat out of them every time. Well, that's part of the story now because what happens is Bretonian's Empire, they come questing, and they just – they trounce every army that he throws up against them. And it starts to piss him off. And he goes <laughs> up to the god and he says, well, what's going on here? What's the deal? They're just raiding all my tomb cities. And the zinch god says, well, that's kind of the plan. Because what's happening is the Bretonians in the Empire take all these tainted artifacts back home with them. Well guess what? It spreads the taint of Zinch everywhere. Oh. And that okay. was that is the whole idea, is they're taking these tainted artifacts back with them to the point where actually this Bretonian, the army I was going to do for this tournament was the Zinch Tainted Bretonian army. Cause there's actually Bretonians when you look at that back wall, you'll see trebuchets and questing knights that was this guy who generations of his family have been questing in the lands of Khemri, this guy's land, being corrupted slowly. So now you've got empire horses with five legs, and two heads, and feathers, and scales, guys with tentacle arms holding their shields, extra eyeballs, you, you name it. All kinds of weird, funky things. That was supposed to be this year's tournament army. But A, there's no time. B, I don't even know if they're either eliminating the Bretonians or they're going to have a new book before Adepticon. Right. And I need to know, oh, two months ago, <laughs> that, that they have either a new book or not getting a new book or whatever. Or there's not going to be ninth edition before March. They're just nobody could answer that question in a solid enough way. Right. So that, that's another year. The, the Zinch Bretonians, which carries the story of the Zinch Tomb Kings. Cool. So you know when you're when you're looking to do a, a wild, crazy army, you have to go to that level of madness, I guess.
0: So that's where you draw your inspiration from, going from, you know, just things that you like, and then trying to come up with those stories. Things.
3: Well, that the name Susenes is actually a real name. Uh, okay. I saw the a PBS special called "Secrets of the Dead," and it was called the Silver Pharaoh. Well, this pharaoh. As it turns out, silver was regarded far more more highly than gold. Gold was pretty much, ah, anybody can get gold. Silver was harder to find and ten times harder to work with. So to have a big gigantic sarcophagus made of silver, it was a little bit like, okay, try to make a skyscraper out of popsicle sticks versus steel. Uh, Who's who's more impressive, the giant 200-story popsicle stick tower that actually stands? Or the guy making the usual steel and glass. So that was that was how he, he showed his power was with this silver sarcophagus. I thought silver tomb kings necron tomb glowing green silver tomb kings almost like necrons necrons glow. Why would the tomb kings glow? Hmm, maybe zinchi glowy eyeballs kind of stuff. Maybe that's where they glow.
0: Got it. Cool. All right, a couple more things. We're going to have to wrap it up here in a few more minutes. I know, but uh, what, what are your favorite types? Of, what are your favorite types of models to paint?
3: That tends to well change rapidly now with the, the Z brush, the ability for people to cast miniatures, which could, you couldn't even do five years ago. Really, now, uh, like Creature Caster, what what uh, what he did. Uh, Jeremy Glenn, amazing. So I'm looking forward to those. He uh, original Ultraforge was his original company. What he's going to be coming out with are the brushes are, they've been salivating for months. I'm um, having a lot of fun painting Wild West Exodus stuff because it's, it's, well, it's Civil War steampunk. So it's a genre that I like just even outside of miniatures. And it's different than painting another space marine or another fantasy figure. Uh, the memoir stuff I've been enjoying that. That's my foray into historicals. I think that's in the future as time goes by and the years coming forward. Maybe even try Flames of War, Bolt Action, more historical stuff. Uh, I want to do more model ships. So that, that's what I want to go towards. But right now, enjoying the the memoir Wild West, uh, even Reaper. You know they're they're coming out with some really fun new figures, new monsters. Uh, Dark sword figures. Actually, I think I just went in on their Kickstarter. I think they've got a couple dozen designs. I don't know if it's either ending soon or it's already ended. I thought that's theirs have an interesting personality to them, a story behind every figure. So I've got a whole bunch of those at Gen Con. Uh, Looking forward to over the next year or two painting a bunch of those. Hopefully that I know it's not one specific thing. No,
0: so you kind of like everything, whatever catches your eye. That makes sense. Hey, that, I understand that myself. But uh, so, last last question here: What do you uh, how are you liking the new GW things that they're putting out lately? You got any anything in there that really catches your eye, or that really uh, that really you don't really like out of these new releases?
3: Um, I've really lost track of GW stuff. I've seen, (laughs) was that the big Nagash and some of the, the other undead things that have come out, but there's so much fresh new talent out here. Uh, it seems like every other minute there's, you see on Facebook or on a Kickstarter, a new miniature company doing something new and fresh. Uh, and I'm, I've been drawn in that direction. Oh. I'd still like to have a shot at some of those new GW undead things, uh, just because I could do a lot with the glowing stuff, a lot of the fluorescent paint, so that I could have some fun with that. Now, who knows, they might be doing, if they do some new Bretonian stuff, maybe they'll probably do a new monster. seems like they do a new monster for every army. Those have been probably my favorite things. If, if you're going to ask for something about GW is the monsters... Even though it takes two seconds for a laser guy to cannon to take him off the table on the first turn, they're really <laughs> fun to paint before they die. I've got, uh, I think, all the new Lizardman monsters that I'll be doing. Those are really uh, you know, nice. Some, uh, I've got the, the, the Forge World. What are they? The Chaos Dwarf, the, the Siege Engines. Oh, yeah, uh, those are cool. Looking forward to doing those. So I, I think that's really... If, if you're asking me what I like, it's it's the monsters, the the larger scale stuff.
0: Cool, yeah, I like. I, I, it's hard not to like that stuff. That's the stuff you're constantly picking up to paint. I've 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 been picking up some of the bigger toys too. I don't even know if I'll ever put them on the table, but man, they're fun to put together. So. All right, James, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time here tonight. This was really fantastic. Um, hopefully we can have you on again at some point.
3: <laughs> you want to enter the zone of madness again?
0: Exactly. <laughs> I'm certain Chris will. He's going to hear this. He's be like, but you didn't ask him this, and you didn't ask him that. I'm like, okay, we'll have him on again, and you can ask him everything you need to.
3: See, the best part of this not being in a video thing is nobody could see all the finger steeples that I was making. (laughs) They they couldn't see any. They just have no idea what's actually happened, (laughs) the subliminal messages that have been just kind of gently forced into their brains. All
0: right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, man, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Folks, it's been James Wappel. His website is Wappelius. Can you want to spell that for people?
3: W-A-P-P-E-L-L-I-O-U-S. And it's at blogspot.com. Uh, thousands of posts. I post something new about every 12 hours. It is a constant stream of content, whether you want it or not.
0: <laughs> so there you go. You can see his work there. And I will have a bunch of links up in the show notes for you to go check it out. James, thanks again for coming on.
3: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: All right. And, folks, uh, we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a moment. Hey folks, it's Dave and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want.
3: We back, we are, we back. are back. Back, back, back,
1: back, back. Back,
0: back, 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 back. That was nice and even there. And if it's not, I'm going to even it out on
1: the editing. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, well. So that was the WAPL interview, Chris. It was great, wasn't it? Did you like? It, it? was great. I can't wait to <laughs> listen to it here. again. <laughs> <laughs> again for the first time. Yes. So all right, um, so folks, we hope you enjoyed this. um We've been doing a lot of hobby episodes lately. and we, We've been getting some good feedback, so we hope to keep it up. Um, we'll be back December 10th with the Glotkin Review. Ooh. I'm excited. Just, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to be back with Glotkin, and uh, then the next episode after that is our Christmas episode, sort of the GW year in review we got coming up and then uh lots to talk about there. Yeah, and then by then come January we'll probably have to have the cane review at some point in there. Mm.
1: Oh, it's too bad that we couldn't time the cane review to right before Christmas cuz then you could have a candy cane. Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, really yeah. It it sounded funny in my head. I did it cuz it yeah. didn't it didn't in real life. No. But <laughs> okay. no, no candy cane. No. <laughs> No candy. Cane. Candy with a K. You get it?
0: I I, I get it. Yes. Then <laughs> we can have Candy Cane fighting the candy corn. Is that how that's oh,
1: going to Oh, nice. Uh, I, 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 bravo. G- bravo. Th- thank you. I, I,
0: I, I don't come up with them too often. And when I do, they usually suck. So
1: <laughs> That was good, though.
0: But, um, yeah, GW year interview. We'll be getting Kane in at some point in January. I mean, who knows if this is. <laughs> We got so much to talk about over the next few episodes,
1: so yeah, stay it's content with us. Content-rich environment, that's for sure.
0: Absolutely, and uh, stick around because um, over the next couple of months, guys, we've got uh, we've got a dread fleet to give away, and we've got a couple of um, what's it? Uh, Dead zone from Mantic Games, mm-hmm. which I know it's sort of a you know it's a it's a small skirmish-based sci-fi game, yeah. But dude, it's good. <laughs>
1: Did you say that we had a space Hulk game to give away too? That's on after Eleanor. We'll be giving that ah, away on okay. after Eleanor. So, yeah,
0: yeah. He sent us two games, one for each show.
1: So amazing. We yeah. might have to start another show just to get another gift that we can give away.
0: <laughs> right. That's what I. Because I need more time to spend right. on editing. There you go. I don't do enough of that. Gee whiz! What are you trying to do to me? <laughs> um, okay, folks. You know what? Um, you know iTunes reviews are great, and, you know, it's the whole end-of-show thing where we beg you for all sorts of nonsense. Listen, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Chris is Topher, Chris, U, and I'm at Garage Hammer. Because uh, especially with that, uh, right now, you know, our, our, we have our store, and you can link through it through our website, and it helps us actually get a little bit more out of the, the you know, when, when you buy stuff. If you go through our website, not directly to Zazzle, but it's our Zazzle store. And right around now, the holidays, they start offering all these deals and whenever I get an email saying, "Hey, next twenty four hours it's like fifty percent off shirts and stuff I'm gonna be posting that up on Twitter so you can see what the what the codes are to get deals because then you know dude I know the stuff on there is expensive when you order it singly I mean you know, Chris, you've seen it too I have yeah you got to cash um, in on those deals yeah, so when you get that dude that's the only time I buy stuff is when it's on sale mm-hmm. because dude you know take the deal where you can get it
1: sure you know, Of course.
0: You know, I did have a couple of people actually send me a couple of I got I got a tweet and I got an email about the prices on the store and honest to God folks, we get like 10 cents on the dollar. So that's You're just right. when you order yes, the stuff there is expensive. It's really nicely made, but it, you know, it's we're we I swear to God, we're
1: making it as cheap as they allow us to make mm-hmm. it. So we don't have many options there in yeah. terms of cutting corners.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only other way to really cut prices is to order like 100 at a time. And quite frankly, I just I can't afford to stock all the clothing in my
1: right. house. Right. Well, who knows? Maybe there's a softball team out there running around in Garage Hammer apparel. Oh, that would be
0: awesome. Although, right. I, I, you know what? I did order because they had the 50% off day last week. Um, Harrison and I got hoodies.
1: Oh, very nice!
0: And we got them up on the now. If you do go there, dudes, we got the uh, shirts with the new the new banners, the Chris mm-hmm. the or- the orc Chris and Vampire yep. Dave, yep. Uh, and the backs have the giant uh, the garage dice logo on the back. So
1: okay, they're pretty nice. <laughs> nice, very cool, nice and warm and comfy while you're playing in your basement games.
0: Exactly, and I did they we I put them up on shirts too. We're gonna be redoing the store as soon as I can figure out how to do it properly, but. Okay. We're going to slowly be weeding out the old logo stuff, so we can make way for all the new logo stuff. So, Excellent. Yeah. So, folks, uh, you know, just wanted to let you know that because people have been asking, and it's pretty cool. But I will have when the, when those deals come up, I'll be posting them. So if you've been wanting some stuff, this is your time to grab it over the holidays.
1: Very nice. And please do leave us an iTunes review. I noticed that we did get two uh, on November twentieth. Oh, posted we? Actually, yesterday. Yeah, one from Epic Oscar. Okay. So sounds like you may be uh, one of your former students Oh, that's possible And then uh, Sharagon left us another one So both very good reviews So thank you for those and keep them coming
0: Cool, I'm gonna, as soon as we get off I'm going to go uh, go over and look at those mm. Yeah, we love them, so thank you very much And um, I guess that's it So folks, we will see you In a few weeks with Glotkin For Glotkin, can't wait Alright, take it easy folks
1: You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net/form or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through david at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net, and you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.